I was born 1911, Chickasaw County, Piedmont Plantation. And did you know as a girl growing up that one day you'd be a maid? Yes, ma'am, I did. And you knew that because? My mama was a maid. My grandmama was a house slave. Do you ever dream of being something else? What does it feel like to raise a white child when your own child's at home being looked after by somebody else? It I done raised 17 kids in my life. Looking after white babies, that's what I do. I know how to get them babies asleep, stop crying, and go in the toilet bowl before their mamas even get out of bed in the morning. Babies like fat. They like big, fat legs, too. That I know. You is kind. You is small. You is important. You is smart. You is kind. You is important. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> I work for the Lee Faults from 8 to 4, 6 days a week. I make 95 cents an hour. That comes to $182 every month. I do all the cooking, cleaning, washing, ironing, and grocery shopping. But mostly, I take care of baby girl. I used to take a shortcut every day when I went to work at Dr. Dixon's house. Cut through that farmer's lower 40 to get there. One day, this farmer was waiting for me with a gun. Said he'd shoot me dead if I walked on this land again. Dr. Dixon went and paid that farmer double for two of those acres. Told him he was going to start farming too. But he bought that just for me. So I could get to work easy. I hope I didn't make your way. Did. Mammy! Mammy, I'm coming! Oh, Lord! I... I hope I'm not late! Mammy! Mammy, look at me! Don't you know me? I'm your little baby. I'd walk a million miles for one of your smiles, my man. And I believe that we have to thank black women, not only for keeping the black family alive, but the white family. Why is that? Because black women have nursed a nation of strangers. For hundreds of years, they literally nursed babies at their breast who they knew when they grew up would rape their daughters and kill their sons. That's a... That's a fact. That's strong. I know, but it's the truth, Bill. It's the truth. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast. Not the book club it is Thursday we have had a decade 
of the book club here at the context of white supremacy normally we would be locked we'd be reading right now but we flip-flopped uh to accommodate our guest uh for this week we did the book club yesterday and then next week we'll be back normal time thursdays <clears throat> reading way more important than watching television that said the sound clip that we just heard the most important segment at the end with the grandsister Dr. Maya Angelou I heard that interview from 1973 before I was born and probably a lot of our listeners not all but at least some of us uh, with Bill Moyer the only reason that I heard that interview is because of the book club when we read I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings August 2014 right after her uh, passing unfortunately but going back and doing the research and studying I remember the poignancy uh, of those words in fact when I played the entire full context seven minutes where she leads up because that's like the crescendo of seven minutes of her chatting with Bill Moyer in 1973 I played it before and it hit some cows listeners so hard they could not process their brain computer shut down it was uh, akin the metaphor forgive uh, if you wake up in the morning and your eyes have not quite adjusted to the light yet it's like bam getting hit in the face with noon sun brightness full intensity can be painful it's so intense that was the magnitude of what she had to say and I mean emphasis Bam! It is true. The only thing I would add, delectable Negro, white males and white females have raped many black males, black females, and black children. Let's not be heteronormative. Our guest for today's broadcast, uh, I was reading the paper and they had a report. I was fascinated all the way around. Uh, once I read the report and all the information, I said, wow, we have to see if we can uh, talk to this person. This is such an amazing opportunity to discuss what racism is, how it works, what does it mean to be white, even how white people learn what it means to be white, how to function as a white person, how they are to think about people classified as black. The report that I read from the Dallas Morning News titled at age four, I was growing into a bigot. Isn't that one of my favorite words? I bring that one up all the time. You know, I was hooked from the title right there until LMA Thurman changed my life. Hopefully we'll get some really good stories about who LMA Thurman was, how uh, she changed uh, our guest for this evening, uh, changed his life and stopped him from turning into a bigot. See even what that means. Uh, super thankful to have him on the program in fact I can even share with listeners uh, now we'll make sure to confirm but calling in from the Texas area and this uh, report is in the Dallas Morning News Dallas area specifically man we are 15 years out. I was thinking of this just before we went live my the geographic locations involved in our broadcast me being in Seattle our guest being in the Dallas Fort Worth Texas area I said, man, it's been 15 years. I've been in Seattle the whole time we've been on the air, 13 years if we make it next month. I've been in Seattle so long. January of 2007, Tony Romo fumbles that ball playoff game <laughs> against the Seahawks. 
I was right here watching the game with no rooting interest at all. I can't even pretend I was rooting for the Seahawks or anything. Didn't care. No money on the game. Just, oh, the stadium is five minutes from where I'm staying at. We could have walked to the game. And I've watched the fumble laugh. That is such a hearty part of Seattle legend laughing about Tony Romo's fumble from way back when. I'm sure it has a way different feeling down in Dallas. But we did just hit the 15-year anniversary. And the cows came into existence. Let me think. If I do the math, 10 months from the Tony Romo fumble, the cows came on the air. Maybe they're related, maybe not. Anywho, a hoot to have our guest on the program for the evening editor at the Dallas Morning News. Uh, super glad he could share a bit of his Thursday evening with us. Joining us live, Mr. Chuck Stewart. Uh, Mr. Stewart, are you with us, sir? I am. Thank you, you had sir. to bring up that fumble, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to, but we do have that. Da- when I think of Dallas, like around these parts, generally when they think of Seattle, I don't think any time the Seattle and the Cowboys play, the Tony Rombo, they got to sneak that in. Uh, and, oh, yeah, the Tony Rombo. They just uh, laugh and laugh and laugh, even till today around these parts. Like, funniest <laughs> moment in Seahawks here. And they won the playoff game. Like, how do you win a playoff game on such a hilarious moment? Like I said, different memory in <laughs> Dallas. Anywho, and this, yeah. what a week for playoff <laughs> losses. My goodness. Uh, anywho. Yeah, we got another one of those. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, but that is. We're stacking them up down here. Another uh, set of conversations, another set of tears uh, for this here broadcast. Anything that you would like to share with our listeners uh, about who you are, the work that you do before we get started? Well, uh, I am a what they call a multi-platform editor at the Dallas Morning News. Uh, I uh, edit and design pages over several different sections. I, I do a lot. Most of my work in our opinion section. I haven't. This is the first story that I've written in like 30 years. Uh uh, but I just felt like it was a tale that that had to be shared and that she was a woman that had to be acknowledged in a larger uh, context than, than, uh, than you know, living in Texarkana her whole life. Uh, she was an amazing woman, just an amazing woman. I, and I just couldn't not write this. It is linked. Uh, I posted it online. Folks can check it out. Uh, Dallas Morning News. At age four, I was growing into a bigot until Ella Mae Thurman changed my life. We'll uh, maybe read a sentence or two and discuss it all. And I said, get some great stories uh, about who Miss Thurman was. Uh, let's see. Uh, number one, for folks who've not read the report, because there's a photograph. So they can see Miss Thurman as well as you or Mrs. Thurman, excuse me, as well as yourself. Uh, for folks who have not seen the picture yet, uh, you are a white man. Is that correct? I, I, I am right on. an old white man. <laughs> OK, well, let's put that in context. Uh, can we ask how old you are, sir? I'm 65. 65. OK, OK. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And you are in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. I am. grew up in Texarkana have lived in various towns around the South, New Orleans, and and uh, we came to Dallas in 1996. Hmm. Okay. All righty. Let's see. Uh, I would normally do my definition, but, uh, oh, yeah, definitely. If you are a 65-year-old white man in the spirit of 65. being, excuse me? <laughs> 65. 65. I thought that was what I said, but I'll make sure. 65. 65 year old uh, white man, then it should be like, hey, super honest. That's the best way that we can 
be truthful about Ella Mae Thurman's memory being truthful about white supremacy racism so from the snippet that we played at the beginning our audio clips that we heard mm -hmm. today uh, you this was not the first time that you've heard Al Jolson's mammy correct uh, I've heard it I mean I've never really uh, sat down and watched the movie but I have I've heard it I've heard it in clips and stuff okay and have you seen and or read the movie The Help before? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of it, okay. uh, but I've never sat, sat and watched it all the way through. But it was a, it's a movie I've always planned to watch. And of course, when I when I saw it the first when it came out, the first person I thought of was Element. Okay, okay. Uh, at sixty five year old white man, uh, you have read and or seen To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, as a 65-year-old white man, you have seen, you know who Shirley Temple is. Uh, I do know who, know who Shirley Temple is. Okay. I guess if I would go out of one more. Have you seen the movie The Toy with Richard Pryor, Jackie Gleason? Are you familiar oh, with that? Oh, years and years and years and years and years ago. Mm. I don't remember much about it. Mm. Uh, I just remember uh, a rich white man basically buys him his son a human being for a for a toy <laughs> that's the Am movie I right? the end a yeah, plus yeah. a plus beautiful memory sir yes sir it buys jackie gleason rich white man in louisiana buys richard pryor man not first he hires richard pryor to wear a dress and serve fried chicken to rich white men and rich white women then he literally buys Richard Pryor as a toy, as the movie is called, for his white son. That is the movie. Anywho, the Klan makes a camp. Anyway, that's uh, now this program. What all we've been discussing, racism, white supremacy. I use those two terms as synonyms and I use the same definition for both terms. The definition I use is as follows. A global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom <laughs> they classify as not white. Do you think such a system exists? Do you think that definition is accurate? Oh, that's a pretty broad question, Gus. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, there. I mean, there's no. I mean, you can't oppress one race without giving unfair advantage to another. And it's a. I mean, it's a fact that that uh, uh, the the white race has oppressed the black race. I mean, that's that's not up for discussion. As well as you know, Native Americans and a lot of other folks. Uh, so yeah, I would I would I would agree with the definition. Your definition. And I think it's. Uh, I think it's. Um, I think it's generally spot on. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a, well, a fellow journalist. Uh, this is a non-white male. He wrote a report in a pretty major uh, publication. And he was talking about racism. Uh, he wrote, mm -hmm. this is one sentence specifically. I've been asking our white guests that we've had on the program over the years do they think this sentence is true? So I'll give you the whole sentence and then we'll get specific. So the full sentence, white people are often 
greatly and sincerely pained about racism but rarely are they pained enough I've been asking our white guests the first portion of that sentence white people are often greatly and sincerely pained by racism as a white man yeah. you have white family members white friends yeah. uh, white colleagues yeah. and what have you just in your yeah. opinion do you think a substantial number of white people are often sincerely and greatly pained by racism yes yeah. yeah. how do they demonstrate this sincere and great pain that they have about racism <clears throat> well I need to think about that one for a minute. Um, well, they discuss things that are inappropriate. And I mean, I hear them say that, you know, uh, that's inappropriate. That's not fair. That's, uh, that's, I mean, they're coming out and say, be careful. That's racist. I mean, and even, I mean, the people who are consciously and unconsciously uh, uh, do, uh, doing those things. But, you know, I mean, I also work with, I, I work for a black woman, uh, Catrice Price is the editor of our paper. I mean, and I have black colleagues and black friends too, and, and they're all and they're pained by racism also. Uh, uh, and and you know, they demonstrate it more overtly. I, I don't know exactly how to answer that question. I mean, it's, um, it's not like I've I've studied this or anything. Um, I'm really kind of not prepared for that part of the question. That's interesting. Um, this is just more for, well, for, oh, go ahead. Did you have more? Do you want to? Well, it, I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what you're trying to get out there. Uh, how do they show it? Uh, and they each show it in their own way. And they each act on it in their own, own way. Uh, I, I just, I mean, I can speak for me. I can't speak for every other, you know, white colleague or friend I have. But I do know I do know they care about race, racism and they, and they care about ending it. Um, I guess that's the best answer I can give you, Gus. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, the entire response, I guess, uh, for listeners in terms of what I'm trying to get at. Just you're a white person and you're a 65 year old white man, which means that you've been around to observe white people for a number of more than a half, more than a century, or excuse me, more than a half century, more than a half century. Accurate. And that's true. And I've, and and the thing is, is, you know, we're painting with a pretty broad brush here. Uh, the people I knew in Texarkana, there it is. Oh, wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> hang on one second. Hang on one second. Cause I do need to finish the, the response there that I was giving. Okay, you kind of interrupted me. Uh, just for I'm our sorry. listeners. Um, we started off with him saying yes, before I could even fully finish the question, he was saying, yes, the white people are greatly pained. And we ended with, Hmm, I need to think on this one some more. Now I ask all of our white guests, we've had a number of white guests who have immediately said, no, that sentence is not even true. That stops the whole discussion. Oh, okay. You don't think it's true. <laughs> we've had a number of other white guests where they've said the same thing you did. Yes. They didn't interrupt me. I, I, don't, I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head out of the, all the years that we've been on. And I've asked that question who was saying yes, before I could even finish the question and then had to concede <laughs> They need to think about this. How do they demonstrate well, this? Wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. That's important 
because frequently white people are not honest when they talk about racism, white supremacy, especially when they're talking to non-white people. And especially with this one, there are many, many white people who say that they are opposed to racism. Almost every white person, if you ask, says, oh, yeah, they're opposed to racism. But we still have it. And in fact, you and I agreed on the definition. So, I mean, we're painting pretty broad because this is all areas of activity. You're in Texas. I'm in Washington state. It would take me thousands of miles to get to where you are. And racism, white supremacy would still be a problem. If I switched and I became a journalist, if I became an architect, a dentist, a medical doctor, racism would still be a problem. If I went to Argentina, Russia, Japan, racism would still be a problem. That's why we're going broad because wow. And this has been a problem the entire 65 years that you've been on the planet. The definition that I gave for racism, white supremacy would be accurate. Would it not, Mr. Stewart? Yeah. That's why we're broad. And the metaphor, the metaphor, I'll let you respond. Just the metaphor. We hear that all the time. I never asked Mr. Stewart to speak for all white people. I was very specific with the question when he was interrupting me to give an affirmative. Yes, white people are greatly pained, even though he can't tell us how all this is very important because white people do this regularly when practicing racism. It's important to metaphor painting with a broad brush and then speaking for all white people because I didn't ask that. I said specifically, you've been around white people. You have white family members, white colleagues. You can just give us your view, what you've seen. That's all. Not to speak for every white person. Now, if you'd like to give your response. Well, I, but, but there's a, there's a two, it's a two part question. The first part, yes, I agree. Totally. Um, the second part is, you know, I've, I've lived in a lot of different places and the white people, and the black people, for, their, for that example, were a lot different in Texarkana than they were in Paragould, Arkansas, and Eldorado, Arkansas, and Monroe, Louisiana, and New Orleans. I mean, there's whole different cultures there, you know, rural uh, uh, versus metropolitan, very Mediterranean in New Orleans. I just, uh, the, the question catches me off guard. I, you know, I, you know you, uh, you've got to be studying it and observing to answer a question like that. And I'm just, you know, in, in, in my everyday walk of life, I mean, I don't know if I can answer for them about how, how, how they act, how the people, I'm not talking about the broad, broad brush of, you know, everybody. I'm talking about all the people I know, right? Cause that's what you asked. And, but I don't, I don't know if I can answer for them. Uh, uh, you know, I know, I know I feel that it's not fair, it's not right. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know how LMA referred to us all as God creatures. It's not, in, I have no right to hurt one of God's creatures or to be unfair to one of God's creatures. Now that's that's my view. If other other people who I've been around share that view, I don't know. Um, uh, but that's just the way I feel about it. And I think that's the way a lot of the people who share my views feel about it. It's just wrong. And not just on a racial view, on, on, a, on a faith view. We can't be Christians and hurt God's creatures. Mm. 
the religion of white supremacy, the cows, Gus T. Renegade, uh, with our guest, Mr. Chuck Stewart. Um, I just repeating, he did say that again, didn't ask him to speak for all white people. And I think at least myself, I can generally make observations when it seems that particularly white people are greatly and sincerely pained about something. I can pick out examples of how they demonstrate it. They get things done immediately. They don't have problems that linger around for centuries like racism. Um, I wanted to ask before I start to get to some of the specific questions about the report. Uh, do you, Mr. Stewart, since we agree racism, white supremacy exists, definition that I use, uh, do you think it's logical for a non-white person anywhere in the known universe to be suspicious uh, of any white person, including yourself, any individual classified as white uh, under that current system of racism? Do you think that's logical? You know, I just come from, I just come at life from a totally different uh, perspective than, than, than something like that. Uh, it, you may think it's logical. I mean, I, I guess I could agree with that. Uh, I would hope that that's not how people approach other people, black, white, brown, whatever. Um, uh, and I think that's at the gist of what I'm saying about LMA. You've got, you've got, you can't, you know, you can't sit here in your studies and your, and your philosophies and stuff like that and solve this problem. It's a person to person problem, you know, and I would hope that, that black people and white people alike would give each other a chance, but you got to get to know them. You got, you got to be around each other. You know, this listening to this radio show is not going to solve racism. You know, uh, you, you know, you got to get out and meet people and do it and understand that, that, you know, that what black people want and what white people want, it's the same. They want to be loved. They want to be cared for. You know, they well, want a good hang job. On, sir. Hang on, sir. Fair. Hang on one second. And I guess I, I'll say this. Um, I have a lot of questions and we have some listeners who may have questions too. So it will be really important if we could kind of stick to the specific question that was asked uh, when responding. I certainly want you to give all the details, but uh, not deviating to other things about what white people, because you were just speaking for what people want. I'm just pointing out that <sighs> hypocrisy, the contradiction, because you were kind of saying, man, you're asking me to speak with a broad brush and all that. You just spoke for everybody. We all want the same thing. White people want love. Black people want love when clearly that can't be true. We don't have a system of love. We have a system of white supremacy, which we agreed on, Mr. Stewart. I think I said at the beginning, in my view, if Ella Mae Thurman is a victim of racism, maybe she wasn't. You can tell us. Hopefully we'll get some really good stories about her being honest about racism white supremacy is the best way to honor her legacy my question was you and I agreed system of racism do you think it's logical for non-white people to be suspicious of a person classified as white in your response you said black white whatever how can that be whatever in a system of racism I'm just asking that rhetorically for uh, listeners yeah and I don't do rhetorical I don't do rhetorical. I wasn't talking to you, sir. I think I said specifically that was for listeners. Okay. Talking you know what? to you. You may be, we're about, you may be about to be through listening to me because I don't like the tone you're taking. Uh, I, I feel like you're trying to set me up for something. And that's not oh. why I came on the show. Whoa. Would, 
Look, I'm asking seriously. What what do you think I, I could be trying to set you up for, Mr. Stewart? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like I'm being steered and edited, uh, and that's not and that's not an honest exchange. Edited. Uh, I mean, what, you can throw can my you... words back at me and say, "Oh, you said this then, and now you're doing this now." I mean, you know, if you want to have an honest discussion, honest discussion, let's have an honest discussion. You know, <laughs> don't come at me with your agenda. Do you want to talk about LMA or do you want to talk about your agenda, whatever that is? You know. Wow, that is. Yeah, wow. That's that is fascinating. Wow, I thought we were going to talk about LMA. Wow, oh, we man. are, sir. I think I've mentioned her name a few times. <laughs> I think we. In fact, that, in fact, let's get one of the best stories about Miss LMA Thurman right now. Give us one right now in terms of how she changed you from being a bigot. Well. Uh, it's right there in, in the article. I mean, when she turned, you know, when I gave her a whole bunch of lip and attitude and she flipped me over her knee and tanned my little hide, uh, that taught me a lot right there. I mean, I was, sh- I was shocked. Remember, I'm, I'm growing up in the rural South and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, this, this woman's not going to do anything to me because I'm white and she's black and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she she wouldn't dare, you know, whip my butt. And she did. <laughs> and I learned. Uh, uh, you know, but I think the learning came, you know, one from the shock of, oh, my God, that, you know, I can't do this to this uh, adult black woman to the to the to the love and the explanations and things that she gave me afterwards and explaining to me how, you know, uh, uh, we're all the same. We're, you know, we're all people. We're all you know, occupying the same planet and we got to get along. We got to love each other. That's how she changed me. You know, she showed me love. She didn't talk about love. She showed me love. Context of white supremacy, Mr. Chuck Stewart. That's in the article again at age four. I was growing into a bigot until Ella Mae Thurman changed my life let me read a little bit from the report as i said i was going to do you right i had heard i'm going to change one word i'm not uh editing i just don't do n-word on the program i heard the word nigger every day of my life along with all the stupid racist tropes about black people barely out of diapers I had already formed my opinion about black people and felt superior and privileged stopping there I'll read a little bit more with this I spoke to Mr. Stewart on the phone which I always hate doing programs always go bad when I talk to the person on the phone in advance we spoke on the (laughs) phone and at the time I hadn't even read his report I told you, had me at bigot in the title. He said, have you read it? And I said, no. And I said, and we spoke in, I think, December. It was snow on the ground. It was back when we had the blizzard here. Uh, and I said, man, I'll have forgotten it. We wait three weeks and it's snow. My brain isn't even working. I wait till this week to read it. Wow. Uh, let's go bullet. I mean, we can go real slow-mo just with this sentence here in unpacking everything I said at the very beginning. What does it mean to be white? How do you learn about that? How do you learn how to function as a white person? How do you learn what racism, white supremacy means? 
right there in those two little nuggets of a sentence and he said he's barely out of diapers I had so many questions just right there number one who specifically is saying nigger racist jokes all of this content who who specifically is saying all of this before you're four years old my parents you know who grew up my dad grew up in uh, rural Arkansas my mom grew up in rural central Texas um, and, uh, and, and, you know, that's what they grew up believing. Um, uh, you know, kids in the neighborhood who would repeat what, you know, they're at four years old, you're just repeating what your parents and, and adults say, you know, and that's how, and that's what I heard. Hmm. Did you, were you, oh, or, 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 let me stop before I even get to that question. Someone, they read this and they said, oh man. Texarkana, I'll just read you what they wrote on social media. Uh, my old stomping grounds in Texas. My dad used to tell me stories of visits to his aunt's house in Texarkana when she was a child where there were many sundown towns along the way. Do you know what a sundown town is? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> ignorant about racism. Been That's with you. He's been to it. I said I was telling our listeners ignorant about racism. That's a common refrain. Uh, but anyway, you were saying sundown towns. You've been to a few. Is that what you said? Been through a few. Yeah. Been through a few. Been through a few. Yeah. Uh, one of our listeners wanted to know was uh, Texarkana, Texas, the area where you grew up. Was that a sundown town or no? You know, I, I don't believe it was. There was a large black population in Texarkana. And I mean, we, they, we, you know, you surely couldn't move several thousand people out of town at sundown. But there were, you know, it was definitely a segregated town. Uh, there were areas where black folks lived, and then there were areas where everybody else lived. Uh, uh, and uh, the, uh, in fact, I think I wrote about Newtown, the area that uh, Elmay lived in. And uh, and frankly, you know, I mean, I was over there for the funeral, and when I wrote this, uh, many of Elmay's. Um, um, Family and people that I went to high school with called and wrote and said, "You nailed Texarkana." I think I called it. You know, it sits on a state on the on the two states, and I said it's divided by more than just State Line Avenue and geography. And I, I think that's still true. I can, I mean, I, I was I asked somebody. He said, "What's the biggest black-owned business in town?" And they couldn't tell me. You know, they named a couple of funeral homes, and that was much the same it was when I lived there growing up. Hmm. All right. Uh, when you say there were, or you said thousands, do you, well, okay. So not a sundown town, but racism, white supremacy there as it would you know, be. I, I, you know, it, it's, it's got all the aspects of a sundown town, except get out of town. I mean, you know what I mean? I don't know if I can, if I can exactly phrase that, but it's, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a, a divided town. Um, you know, it's it's probably somewhat better than it was when I grew up there, but I I still don't think of it as a as a as an open minded progressive kind of town. Hmm. Beware, black people, uh, when visiting Texarkana. Uh, okay, so with that, and then you say, was it? more than just your parents uh, in terms of other white people oh, that you yeah. okay uh man 
I'm hoping this will be a day unlike any other. So with all of this and you being 65 years old, like for real, for real, Mr. Stewart, is it possible? I mean, we study these here on the program like, oh, man, uh, tons of our listeners would be elated. We would write it down, study it. We probably, you know, repeat it after you're gone. Be like, man, Mr. Stewart hooked us up, gave us one or five. If you can recall any of the racist jokes that you heard about black people, uh, could you share? Oh, I would rather not. I just don't want to go there. Uh, I mean, I know I heard them, but what what does repeating them, what good does that do? Day like any other on the plantation. Uh, incidentally, we should have... Oh my God! I don't even. Okay, know. okay, I'll give you one. If you're that, if it disappoints yes, you that yes, much, sir. I'll give you one. Are you? Do you remember a um, uh, comedian from that area named Brother Dave Gardner? Well, you don't remember him because I don't think if you're old enough. But have you ever heard of him? Uh, say his name again. Brother Dave Gardner. Brother. He was a Southern comedian, and he uh, and he and he did he did a lot of humor. Uh, around black folks and um, one of the ones that I heard repeated in fact I think this may be the first one I ever heard repeated was a joke and I can't remember the whole joke I just remember uh, it was done in like high pitch black squeaky butterfly McQueen kind of voice James Willis get away from that wheelbarrow you know you don't know nothing about machinery Ooh. Mm, mm, mm. This is brother. I've never heard of this. Thank much obliged to Mr. Stewart. Not like most of the typical days on the planet. I've never heard of this person, brother Dave. Oh, he's been dead a long time. He's been dead. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's why I have not. But he was a big, he was a big thing. I mean, he was a big thing, uh, back in, back, you know, when I was very, very young, he did three or four comedy albums. Uh, then I think he got in trouble with the law or something. I'm, I'm not really sure. But yeah, and, and that joke got repeated around my family a lot because everybody thought it was funny. I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I'm wounded. One, I do have to pause. Uh, I'm just trying to follow logic here. It would seem if you knew you were superior to black people by the time that Ellie may arrived when you were four, you did know what they were talking about. Well, I meant the whole machinery thing. I didn't get the, I mean, I got that it was a joke about black people. I didn't understand what a wheelbarrow and machinery had to do with each other. I got you. I got you. Um, I'm, I'm also chuckling. I never heard of this guy, David Garner. So I'm just trying to, who is this guy? Maybe I can hear one of his comedy albums. You said uh, you all had his comedy albums and would repeat jokes that he told. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm just reading online. This might be true. Like I said, this first day I've ever heard of him uh, online. According to his bio, it says Gardner, uh, a Tennessee native. He studied drumming beginning at age 13 after one semester term at Southern Baptist ministerial student at the uni uh, at Union University uh, in his hometown of Jackson, Tennessee. He began a musical career like, wow, he started out as a ministerial student like, hmm, <laughs> and then he gets a, like, religion of white supremacy. 
Anywho, uh, so uh, do you remember any other racist jokes? Uh, not really. Not really. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's the one that kind of sticks with me. Um, uh, like I said, I'm sure I heard many, many others, but I just, I don't really remember them. Okay. Did you all, did you, were there any other black people that you were like directly around, like children or anything like that? Did you go to school with any black children? Well, Texarkana desegregated a lot later than uh, a lot of than other places, I think. I didn't go to school with another black student until seventh grade, which would have been 1969 or 70. Uh, the second black person I ever met in my life was a guy named Sam. Uh, he was he did he was our yard guy. He had worked at my dad's lumber mill and had lost a hand. Uh, and dad set him up with like a lawn mowing business. And uh, I got a story about Sam too, if you'd like to hear it. Uh, when I was young, uh, you know, after LMA had been there and I had got my comeuppance, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in the South in the summer, but it's wicked. And, and summers in Texarkana are brutally hot. And Sam only having one hand and a hook, had to wear like a long sleeve shirt to cover the apparatus, you know, where he operated the 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 um, prosthesis. And it was a wicked hot day. Sam would always come to the back door and ask for a glass of ice water. I'd fill him up a big glass of ice water. And then on this really wicked hot day, I said, Sam, why don't you come on in and get, get out of that sun and get in the air condition? And he gave me a look like I just said something that was just incomprehensible to him. And he stood there and kind of hemmed and hawed for a second and heard talk to himself and say, no, no, I better not. And I didn't understand why not for a long, long time. But it always bothered me that he wouldn't come in and get out of the heat. And it's, of course, you know, he didn't, he, he thought if he, I guess he thought if he went in a white man's house, he'd get in trouble. Uh, but that broke my heart. That really did. Because I like Sam. He was a good guy. I'd go out and talk to him. And, you know, we'd just talk about whatever a four-year-old or five-year-old and a black man who's more in your yard talk about. But that, that was, that, that crushed me. That bothered me for, still bothers me to this day. Uh, this is a guy who worked for my father, who knew my family and, and couldn't do that. And my father, you know, uh, he, he, had, he employed a lot of black people. And the thing that, the thing that's always kind of bothered me about my father is I know I'm getting off topic here, but you know, my dad would say those things and say those jokes. And then, uh, give black, we had milk quarters. They weren't anything fancy, but you know, if they couldn't afford to live anywhere else, they lived in the milk quarters. And he was very generous to them, you know, big baskets of food at Christmas. I know one of LMA's sons borrowed money from him when he went to the Navy and couldn't live on 60 bucks a month. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, 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 that's it. That's the other black person I knew was Sam. And like I said, until I, until we desegregated school in the 60s or 70s, and it was ugly in Texarkana. There were, there were fights and riots and stuff um, over desegregation. Woo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Laughter, oh, that's God. one for the listeners. Laughter, because, yeah, I didn't think that was funny. Just, wow. Um, well, he said, I'm laughing at your woo. Mm-hmm. Come on, let's not make this combative and confrontational. Wow, trying to give him my thoughts. I'll tell listeners what I was thinking that was not funny at all. Um, man, 
I was thinking of uh, the mentioned already two times to kill a mockingbird. Uh, the black character got in trouble going into right. a white person's house. Uh, Sam, right. maybe he read to kill a mockingbird and, or he just had the counter racist logic of, eh, I'm going to see if I can protect my life today. Thank you kindly. I will stay out and deal with the heat. Intelligent. Um, Sam is also the name of the black fella in Elbert, uh, to kill a mockingbird. I didn't even finish the black male rapist, uh, who is of course convicted and killed, uh, in the book and the movie to kill a mockingbird. He also, uh, has uh, a disability. Uh, he can't move his arm. I forgot if it's left or right, but he can't move his arm. That becomes a big point in the trial, but he is still found guilty and killed, uh, to the black male character, uh, from Casablanca, Sam, uh, who is legendary for years because you didn't have that many black people on TV at that time. So Sam's character was legend, uh, for many, many decades. Um, wow. That is fascinating. Hmm. The other reason, Justin, you can add the laugh. Just really, that's like the cherry on top. Cause we were in totally different spaces, uh, with the commentary about all this, like, Galaxies well, apart. I don't okay, hang on one second. Thinking. Let me let me finish. Oh no, please. you hang on for one. You, you hang on for one second. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're thinking when you say woo or laugh like that. I'm just reacting to that. All right. I'm not. I don't think the Sam thing's funny. I just told you it broke <sighs> my heart and mm. still does. Mm. Uh, I will say one thing, uh, generally I've not interrupted you. I've asked you to hang for a couple seconds when you deviated from a question, but I would appreciate it if you would not interrupt me. That's the sort of thing. I really make an effort not to interrupt guests and you've done it repeatedly to just talk over top of me. Anywho, uh, what I was saying, Mr. Stewart, when he talked about his father and being so generous and him employing black people, or I guess I'll put it in the form of a question before I even share what I was thinking. Mr. Stewart, do you think it's possible for a white person, even your father to believe in and practice racism, white supremacy and still hire a black person? Well, apparently cause he did. And remember I said I was confused by his attitudes and then his actions. I could never could marry those two together. How can you care about them? How can you care about these people so much, but say those things? Hmm. Do you know how much uh, any of the folks who your father employed? Do you know how much they were paid? You know, I don't. I mean, it hmm. was way back when. I mean, I'm sure they were minimum wage jobs. They were laborers. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I, I, that's what I was thinking too. I was not thinking that these folks were getting like CEO pay and, you know, a leased vehicle and two weeks paid vacation. That's, that was not what I was thinking at all. Uh, I was, the word I was thinking was plantational, especially the Christmas, the big baskets of fruit, because we read that book club. That's what we would be doing today. It would be the book club. We talked about this in the book club. I could pick a whole bunch of them, but I'll be specific. 12 years of say a slave Solomon Northup. He talked about that. Exactly how Christmas time would be total Jubilee on the plantation. The white slave mm -hmm. masters would come out and they would even come out and dance with the, uh, their slaves sometimes like it would be total like for a week shut down and get down. Let me, 
read. Let me hop back so you don't lose track of LMA Thurman. Uh, maybe we could even get another story because I said that. Make sure that we get several stories perhaps, but I'll read a little bit more from the report. You continue on LMA Thurman's first day. I was disobedient, disrespectful, and I was quickly disabused of whatever notions I had about my imagined superiority to black people. Pause right there. He'd already said at the conclusion of the first sentence, uh, he had already formed his opinions about black people at four and felt superior and privileged at four. Uh, one, before I even move forward and forget, I had it much earlier up. What do you mean when you say bigot? I mean, I mean, anyone who believes they are superior to any person of, of, of a, I can't talk all of a sudden, of any person of another race, of a gender, or any, anything that they think, anything that they think that qualifies that person as less than they are. And then they, but they've got to act on it too. Is a bigot the same thing as a racist? I think so. In my mind, yeah. Hmm. Okay. And you know, that's not that's not true. Let me read, but you don't have to act on it. I mean, I think just having the attitude is, is bad enough. Because if you've got the attitude, you will act on it. Hmm. Would it be accurate then if we swapped them out, if they mean the same thing? So it'd still be accurate if we said, at age four, I was going into a racist until Ellie oh, Thurman. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's been my experience. White people will take bigot over racist. Nobody wants to be called either, but they will take bigot over racist. That's just been well, casual. Actually, I wrote racist, and the person who edited it changed it to bigot. Hmm. How interesting. Let's see. Was your editor Catrice what... Price? Did she do no, this? No, no. She's the Catrice is the editor of the whole. She's in charge of everything. This was another like sub editor within the department, within the uh, editorial department. Oh. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know if Catrice has read anything to tell you the truth. Uh, mm. It was during the holidays. She was gone. You know, I haven't heard anything back from him. You know, a hey, good story, bad story. I hated this. I love this. I, I don't know. The person who made the swap, who made the edit, since we used that word with Gus T earlier in the program, the person who made the edit from bigot for, excuse me, from racist to bigot, was this a person classified as white who made this change? Edit? You know, I, I don't know because uh, here's the thing. Our stories here go through at least three edits, uh, and I don't know where it was changed. One of any, any one of three people, some of whom were white, some of whom were black, could have changed it. Uh, I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Let's see. I'll skip back down to the section that I read. You said uh, words are you as someone who works in the paper business or in the news is, uh, industry, journalism industry. You know, words are super important. You have multiple editors. We talked about that before. When we get these books and newspaper reports, they are edited normally multiple times before you get a finished product, published product. Um, privileged. That's another important word that we talk about on this program that I emphasize. Mm -hmm. uh, would it be accurate if we switched this one and said, uh, I had already formed my opinion about black people and felt superior, superior, powerful? Yeah. Well, I don't know how powerful a four-year-old can feel, but 
but yeah, definitely. Yeah, I felt superior. How how superior can a four year old feel? I mean, you're barely potty trained, and you're superior to a. <laughs> I grown- know. Well, I, 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 if you could have seen me that on LMA's first day, you would have seen somebody who thought they were a cut above. You know, this person. Powerful. Hmm. I don't know. I have trouble with that one. I mean, like I said, I'm four years old. Which power? Well, yeah, I guess that uh, that I thought that the fact that I thought she's not going to whip my butt. Yeah, maybe maybe in that respect, powerful. Hmm. That's uh, you said you have trouble with that word. Why do you have trouble with that word? Well, in the, in this con- in in this instance, uh, no, I don't have trouble with the word powerful. I have trouble with the word powerful. In, in this in this tale about Elma, because hmm. uh, I mean, hell, I still I still in my mind I'm four years old and and I've got to know in the back of my mind, you know, if she wants to knock me upside the head, she sure is able, and there's nothing I can do about it. You know, maybe I was fooling myself to thinking I was had that she couldn't do anything because a black woman's not going to whip my butt. You know. Uh, I did mention Shirley Temple at the beginning of the program. Uh, I think mm-hmm. racist white supremacists for, I don't know, long time have kind of bragged about white children imposing power, superiority over grown black people. Shirley Temple. I could mention some other ones, but mentioned her at the program. So I'll just stick in my stick in the pocket for where we are today. Um mm-hmm. Just looking at the word choice that was used, or I guess before I even leave from that one, privileged. Do you think what's what's the difference between privilege and power? I've observed where many times white people are substantially more comfortable conceding that they have white privilege, so-called, not that they have white power over non-white people, black people. What do you think is is operating there in terms of the difference between the two privilege, power? I gotta think about that one for a minute. Um, probably, you know, probably in just the way you would, de- well, I don't know how you define it, but just that, you know, like I was due, you know, because I was a white kid, I was due something or owed something, uh, uh, for, you know, maybe a, maybe a deference from this woman uh, who was not white. Uh, maybe that, maybe that, maybe that's what I was thinking. I think that's the context I wrote it in, is that I was going to strut around the house and be the little king and, you know, and, and she was going to wait on me hand and foot or, or she was going to let me do what I wanted to do or what. I think maybe that would be the regard I'm in it in this, in this instance, in the moment that I wrote it, yeah. Just taking the metaphor that you gave, or generally kings are seen as the most powerful people in the castle easily, maybe in the land. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, this I'm just reminding cows listeners it would depend on how long you've been listening we've heard this before like I did mention Shirley Temple but even if we just want to stick with like cows archives uh, a white child knowing enough about racism white supremacy at a very young age uh, Mr. Stewart's story here is four years old uh, Jim Grimsley was a guest on the program back in 2016 he told this exact 
same story except his happened in a classroom uh, where he got a black teacher and same attitude immediately and in fact I think he wrote about it he put it in his book uh, about his white skin uh, and he talked about how he was not going to call her by a first name and all of this was because he knew she's a black lady I don't do anything what's she going to do to me I'm white she had better not you know blah, 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 and all that we talked about 2016 in the archives uh, let's see the with Miss Thurman I guess before I get to my next one you have another story LMA Thurman how long does she she work with you and your family Oh gosh, she, you know, she was with us a few years. When I started school, she uh, took a job at uh, Lone Star Army Army Ammunition Depot outside of Texarkana because benefits and things like that. But she would still uh, uh, work for us uh, on occasion. Um, I saw her up until probably I was 16 or 17 years old on a day, on on a, on a semi-regular basis. Uh, other stories, uh, I got to tell you, she was a delightful woman. Uh, it was, it was, it was, um, we had tons of fun. Uh, she was always pulling pranks. Um, she would, if you turned a corner, I put this in, if you turned a corner or opened a closet, she might jump out and scare you. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, but I'll never forget one day. My mom put a rubber snake in a clothes basket, and Ella May was deathly afraid of snakes. And she almost ran through walls in the house trying to get away from us. And at that point, they kind of decided, okay, this has got to stop because somebody's going to get run over or hurt in this. And she would do the same kind of things to my mom. But, uh, you know, she was, I mean, she she had, had just become such a big part of our family. And everybody loved her. I mean, we just loved her to death. Um and and we're always glad to see her. Hmm. Uh, she passed away at the end of last year. Uh, yeah, uh, December. 8th. She's been gone about a month, and it's kind of funny because every time I think about her, I just get this warm feeling. Uh, even even you know a month later, uh, just because she was that loving and that giving. Um, and and certainly at age four and being the little monster I was, I didn't deserve that. Uh, from the way I acted, but she gave it anyway. And it, 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 is, it has just been, uh, it's a seminal moment in my life. Uh, you know, and I've thought about it a lot over the years and, you know, tried to assign meanings and, and figure out things. And I just, I just, I just think it was a gift from God. Um, it really was. Hmm. Religion of white supremacy. Um, can I, I well, can I ask you a question? Let's hear it. What does that mean, religion of white supremacy? Uh, it would take a lot of time to explain. Let me see. And I don't, I'm generally not in the business of explaining racism to white people. So I'm going to have to give you the super shortcut version. Uh, the Ku Klux Klan is a religious organization. Yes, they burn crosses. That was a question I was asking Mr. Stewart. Oh, uh, they do burn crosses, I, and they do cloak themselves in the God and stuff like that. Uh, they, it, it's certainly not a religion I recognize. That's, I think, the case with most people on the planet. But yet and still, uh, they used religion to justify enslaving black people. Yes, that's a question, Mr. Stewart. Yeah. Okay. But but now let me ask. 
Now let me ask you another question. Uh, so what does me saying LMA being a gift from God make it the religion of, of white supremacy? Hmm. I don't, I don't I'll, understand that. Oh, okay. I'm all right with you not understanding that. It wasn't meant for you to get that one. Uh, let's see. With the, with Ella Mae Thurman, is she another minimum wage employee? Like she also, I'm suspecting, is not getting like massive salary. Well, you said she left to get benefits and what have you. So is she getting benefits? Does she get like paid time off, paid vacation and such? Uh, you know, I don't know what the, her deal was at Red River. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, Lone Star. I'm sure it was. Uh, but she was, I mean, you know, uh, we didn't, we, I'm I don't know what my dad was giving her or what he was in, but I'm sure he wasn't buying her insurance and stuff like that. Okay. You are aware of the long history of black uh, domestics, as they're called, uh, in terms yeah. of them not getting pension. You already knew where I was going, see? Not ignorant about white supremacy racism, but not getting uh, pension and all the rest of it and Social Security right. and all of the long institutional white supremacy. Again, why we have to go with a broad brushstroke uh, because this covers such an enormous amount of time and space and all areas of people activity. Uh, let's see. What was the response? Cause this, as you said, this is kind of still recent. I mean, it was last month, but I mean, Hey, this is not a really old post. So in the, in the weeks that it's been published, what has been the response uh, to full title at age four, I was growing into a bigot until LMA Thurman changed my life. How have readers responded? Um, uh, well, I've heard a lot from her family, and her family loved it. Um, you know, you never hear from the people who don't like this kind of thing. Uh, I mean, all the, all the responses I've gotten are positive. A lot of people from home have called and, and said, and talked about how I described the hometown and stuff. Um, uh, I, I haven't heard one negative word. But then again, I didn't expect to. I'm sure there are people back home who I'm friends with on in social media who didn't like it and probably defriended me but you know don't let the screen door hit you why would they do that well because there's still racism in Texarkana <laughs> there's still racists everywhere and they probably didn't like it the oh. fact that you know I was praising a black man wow okay Glad I asked that one. You think that happened, or do you think some of the the people that you're friends with on Facebook, some of your friends from your hometown, that they might have seen this? Oh my I, God! This. I think. I mean, I don't. I haven't gone back and checked to see, you know, if friends are. But I'll tell you a, a funny thing. A few of the people who I thought would be would react negatively reacted positively. So you never know. Hmm. The Dallas Morning Star. I don't know. Did you? They had one response. I guess these are letters to the editor, uh, and they published one, I guess, where someone wrote in uh, mm -hmm. about this uh, report. I'm sure many people wrote in, but they just published this one, and then people responding to other reports. Um, I want to read this one because it's short enough. Um, did you have any, like, editorial control, or did other people make the decision about which response got posted? Um, no, I did not have any editorial control over which response got posted. I do. I don't think there were there were other responses though, because we pretty much run about every letter we get, and and they would have told me if there were other responses. Um, if for some reason they decide not to run one, they'll say, "Hey, you got they got another letter on your thing." I do know there were two subscriptions uh, added uh, to the digital side because of it, and I guess I should feel good about that in the time of the dying newspaper industry. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So this maybe this was the only one. We're not sure. Maybe. Uh, the one that they published, uh, bigotry, that's my word again, as harmful as COVID. Uh, regarding we need more LMA Thurmans uh, at age four, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Stewart's column on the back of the Sunday opinion page should win an award. His viewpoint is what our country needs to bring peace in these troubled times. It reminds me of the book that I just bought called The Hemingses of Monticello. This would be our book club day reading more important than watching television. Our country is suffering from a sickness of hate that has plagued this country since the birth of this nation. Stewart tells the story of his own life from the age four when the love of his black household made released him from the bigotry that surrounded every level of society at that time. Sorry to say that bigotry, not racism, is a disease in America that causes as much damage as COVID-19. We have been quoting Andrew Young in Atlanta. He said, uh, the sickness is white supremacy. Thank you, Andrew Young, for not saying bigotry. Um, did, so what do you what do you think of this here uh, response the person wrote in for you? This is from Sherwin Rubin in Arlington. Oh, I, I don't really. I mean, it was it was nice of him to say that. I, I don't know if it's award winning, uh, but, you know, it was it was I mean, it, it struck a nerve with him. And that, that was the nerve I was trying to strike is to, you know, to tell people, you know, we've got to that what we're doing is not working. We've got to. To, to learn to love each other and and to care for each other on a personal level um, hmm. yeah that's pretty much it are you familiar with the book that they referenced uh, the Hemingses of Monticello I know of it I haven't read it okay you know what it's about yeah, it's about uh, uh, Sally Hemings and Tom Thomas Jefferson isn't it? yes sir it? yes sir okay okay uh, and about their whole uh, secret relationship and 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 the kids and so I, I really don't know a lot about it. I just know it was broadly broadly what the subject is. Right on, you, a plus as batting a thousand, sir. Um, <laughs> it's uh, we've referenced that book so many times. It's an older book. I think it was published in like two thousand seven. So I mean, we've been around. It's been around. Um, it's been referenced uh, repeatedly. I find it fascinating. The word that I've said a few times, plantational, uh, going all the way back when you were talking about your father uh, and him hiring lots of black people to work there and him being so benevolent uh, during the holidays with the fruit baskets and all the rest of it, even LMA, uh, plantational. I had said that when I read this report, reminded me of the help. And I, I that's the whole word you need for the help. Uh, I said that, and then they referenced the Hemings of Monticello, which literally is about a slave plantation. Uh, and I said, wow, mm -hmm. like that's that's exactly what all of this would evoke. I was, I don't want to say surprised, but just wow. And then even that book specifically, there are many books that deal with the whole uh, sordid affair, Thomas Jefferson, Sally Hemings, lots and lots of books. And we talked about that and films and reports and all the rest of it. This book is written by a non-white person, victim of racism. This book specifically talks about this as an American romance on the plantation. Thomas Jefferson, Sally Hemings, that they, the word that our guest used earlier, love. 
That's what we, in fact, we talked about this book with Henry Wansek. He was a guest on the program. He wrote Masters of the Mountain, which is also a biography on Thomas Jefferson. And he talked about how he was going to debate the author of the Hemings of Monticello at Monticello, no less, uh, to talk about this and say, what are you talking about? This has to be this is rape, period. That's all this is. This is not love. This is not plantation romance and rape four words that's what it is slaves can't consent there's nothing else to call it and let's stop trying to romanticize uh, how cool things were between slave masters and uh, slaves let's let's ask you do you think that that's accurate Thomas Jefferson Sally Hemings sure right? sure following yeah. logic uh, I, had, I was gonna Mr. Stewart does not write very often he said that he does have a report seven things to toss in a societal spring cleaning uh, this is from a couple of years back where he talks about uh, the concept of a colorblind society but I will pause uh, to see if listeners what? have a who, question who that? Uh, it's Wait, got your tagline on it it's uh, I didn't write that or I'll refresh did you select like seven because you said you managed content so did you select like seven things way back in 2018 for like spring cleaning does this vaguely remember because i can read the no. specific wow no. they have your tag that's crazy if you click on chuck's well you know that is a flaw of the a glitch of the internet i may have edited that right but sometimes when it picks when the last person to pick up uh, to pick up or touch a story it will take your name, and, and when it's posted, it'll say that you're the author of this. Seven things for – let me look this up for a second. It's seven things to toss in a societal spring cleaning. It's an opinion, and it's from May of 2018, May 2nd, 2018. Uh, you can click on your name from the LMA Thurman report, and it'll be listed as your two reports. Hmm. Huh. No. That, no, I don't. I don't like I said earlier. I don't write. I mainly edit and design pages. Well, great. Now we okay. found it. You found it. This is not me. No, I did not write this. Okay. Can scratch that one off. Not taking uh, ownership <laughs> for this one. I thought maybe you oh, just. Put... I, oh, the colorblind society thing. Mm -hmm, oh mm -hmm. Lord. Well, uh, I don't believe in. I don't believe that. I. I when people tell me I don't see color, I'm, I'm, I tell them you have to see color because you have to take into account the experience that these that this person has had and, and the life they live and, and to understand the perspective of where they're coming from. Yeah, I, I would never agree to that or, or write that. That's not me. Not him. Not him. Grand. I can fast forward and get directly to the folks who dialed in. Uh, number again. Oh, seven, good. Two zero. 716-7300 the code 564-943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate uh, let's see questions no speechifying questions questions uh, let's see. Uh, da, da, da. Victim of racism in New Jersey. Uh, do you have a question for Mr. Stewart? You should be with us, sir. Yes, Dawn. Right poorly. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I got a 
Okay, and so I got a question. Um, in the beginning, you said, um, you know, basically we all have to love each other. But you you would agree that you agree that there's a power dynamic between white and black, correct? That's what created at four year old four years old you felt superior. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. So if there is a power dynamic, who is the group that needs to love? Well, I mean, is it, it white? Well, I think I think yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's these people uh, that, that, that the system that, that, that discriminates against black people has got to change. And, uh, you, know, um, you, you, you know, you can't, if you love someone, you don't want to hurt them, you know. And I, I, I just, I really strongly believe that, that our approach of studying it and talking about it on radio talk shows and 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 you know uh, taking sociology classes, and I am a sociology major. Um, is is failing? I, I learned more in those sociology classes from the black students I sat with than I did from any lecture. Okay. Um. The lady. The lady that. Um. And I'm. I'm sorry if I'm. Um. If if her name escapes me. Um. So she. You said that she basically stared you from being a bigot and also your family loved this uh black woman do you mm-hmm. do you think that the love came from her being non-threatening oh uh she was a large woman and she could be pretty threatening when she wanted to be i i think i think that it came from her face i mean i think in, in her mind this is a child in need. I mean, I was a lonely child. I was by myself all the time. I had no friends. Um, and, and she saw a child who needed a friend and she became that friend. Uh, and like I said, I think it came from her, uh, her own son who did her service said, you may, you know, mom would give you what you needed. You may think you needed toys and, you know, stuff like that, but from her, you were going to get something else. It was what you really needed. LMA Thurman was gotcha. Okay, gotcha. When I say not threatening, I mean that in your household, she really didn't challenge racism on the on the on the serious logical level. You know, I think there 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 may be something to that. I mean, she even though she ran the household, I mean, she wasn't the head of the household, uh, but. To my parents' credit, they backed her up all the way. I mean, I, I mean, after she whooped me, uh, I mean, I got it again, uh, you know, from my from my dad, and and uh, and and uh, you know, so in that sense, she did have at least the backing of of uh, the head of the household. Right. Okay. Um. Last question. If if it's not sure. taking too much time. Um. Okay. Um. When Gus, uh, when Gus basically uh, said to you, well, I mean, when you you spoke about Gus and he pointed out the laughter, and you also said that you know let's have a serious conversation about racism, um, from the historical terrorism that Black people suffered or is or still suffering under racism, white supremacy, do you think it's logical 
for black people to take this conversation serious and not appreciate laughter when talking about this issue? I'm not going to answer that. Uh, Gus made a sound like a wow, and I reacted to that. I wasn't laughing about the subject or the issue, okay? I take this very seriously. Um, I'm trying to live a good Christian life. I'm trying to help people, um, and I'm not going to let this get hung up because I chuckled when Gus made a funny noise. Understand? Okay. Okay. Understand. I mean, that, this like is, that's a. Huh? Say again. No, I said thanks a lot. I definitely appreciate you um, taking time out to answer my questions. Oh, thank you for calling. All right. Uh, Chuck Stewart chuckled more than once. The person who. Okay, le- okay, so. Let me get to our next caller. Let me get to our next caller. The person who dialed in. I, oh, we mentioned Louisiana right on the border. Texarkana does not border Louisiana, but Irie in Louisiana. Did you have a question for Chuck Stewart? You should be with us. Yes. Um, Hotep Gus and Hotep to the callers. And thank you to the, um, the guests for coming in. Um, and I hope that um, three questions isn't too much. So um, the first question I had was, or is, how is New Orleans Mediterranean? You said something about New Orleans being Mediterranean. It's, it's like, and I've never been to the Mediterranean. I've read this, um, that it's more like a Mediterranean coastal city than a U.S. city. Um uh, like I said, if I'd been to the Mediterranean, I would know better. Uh, but uh, I'm, like I said, I'm just repeating what travel people and historians have, have written. Okay. So and that you made didn't me totally mean... wrong. Okay. Well, I was asking because I, I, the way I thought the context, I thought you were putting it in was as far as culture. So you didn't mean it by with cultural you didn't mean it culturally. You meant it geographically. Um. Well, no, I I think I did. I mean, it's it's a it's a mix of of uh, historically it's a mix of all kinds of different people from different places. Uh, I think maybe I did mean it culturally, and I'll be honest enough to to admit that. Uh, uh, you know, there's all different nationalities and races, and uh, in a big stew down there, and. And it is different. I mean, it's different from any other city I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but of course, yeah. you know, let's not overlook the fact that it's also got the same, you know, white supremacy and superiority uh, problems. Uh, I mean, it was a, I mean, it was the the base of the slave trade in the country for years. So, I don't want to ignore mm-hmm. that. Also, I mean, there, I mean, let's if we're going to tell the truth, let's tell all the truth. Uh, so yeah, it, it, that doesn't um, excuse it from um, any of the other sins of big American cities. Mm. Interesting. Um, have you ever had a non-white, black male boss 
or supervisor? Uh, how long do I have to think back? That's a, that's a big question. I'm not a, a, a black boss. Yes. A black male um, boss. Male boss, yes. Um, okay. In uh, Monroe, Louisiana, mm-hmm. the uh, city editor was black. Uh, I'm trying to think back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Benny would be the only one. Okay. No, so no, that's not, true. that's not true. That's not I had one in Dallas. I had one. Okay. I had a, a black supervisor in Dallas. Uh, he was the uh, deputy Dallas. sports editor when I worked in the sports department there. Okay. But now he works for ESPN uh, and makes a lot of money. Um, you, the supervisor you had, you're saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, how 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 um, did you come to get that information? I'm sorry. Say again. Oh, I, I know. Look, how I mean, did, how were you able to gather that information about his salary? Well, everybody at ESPN makes a lot more money than they make as a as a newspaper person, and he is their big event coordinator. I mean, he goes to Super Bowls and stuff like that and coordinates their coverage. Or he that or he was last time I talked to him. That was a couple of years ago. I mean, I'm making an assumption, but I, I'll guarantee you I'm right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, um, I, I'd like to insert uh, another question, so it'll be four instead of uh, three. And it's quick. Does Texarkana, since you mentioned Monroe, does Texarkana have any uh, gas-producing plants in it, like Monroe, Louisiana? Um. No, it's not a big oil, like pollutants. Well, actually, there's a. There's well, no, no, I mean like pollutants. Um, uh, let me let me clarify. Like like plants that produce chemicals that come out of a smokestack. You know, I haven't I haven't been there in, for long in years. I don't believe it does. Um, I'm trying to think what the big end. It's got a tire plant, so yeah, probably. Uh, and um, I know they used to have a company that made a lot of money. Uh, you know, those, those tank cars and trains that carry chemicals, they had a plant that washed those out. And, boy, I'm sure there are pollutants there. Oh, and there was a creosote plant. Um, uh, they had a uh, – uh, it was a Superfund site where they had to clean out whole neighborhoods um, uh, because there was a, a creosote plume that had gotten into the groundwater. Uh, but that's all I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure. Okay, there. thank you. Well, thanks for that. Um, so this is the last question, and I, I um, please think about it a little bit before you answer it, because what I'm asking is is literally what I'm saying, literally what I'm about to speak. So the question is, what are you willing to give up for the rest of your life that is a that is a material comfort substantial material comfort to aid in the elimination of racism white supremacy a material comfort i, I don't so for I an example would i pay more taxes Uh, For example, 
would you be willing to give up having a car for the rest of your life, having permanent housing, your house, your pension, retirement, uh, for the, what is it, IRA, anything yeah. substantial like that? What are you willing to give up? Okay, let me, let me answer that. I've got kids, too. One of them is autism, autistic, and I'm going to have to take care of them for the rest of life. My answer to that would be no. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. But I will tell you that in my life, I've coached a lot of ball uh, and done things, and I've bought shoes and uniforms and paid fees for kids who couldn't do it or, or, or didn't have the resources, black, brown, and white. Um, uh, but, but, yeah, I'd... I don't know that I would give up anything. I'm not, I'm, I'm, yeah. Well, do you know that? Do you know that there are non-white black people that have children with autism that can't afford to care for their kids yeah. as well because of the system of racism, white supremacy? Yeah, and and we donate to the autism treatment center here and several other places that that mm-hmm. uh, reach out to people who can't or don't have. Much obliged, mm-hmm. uh, Irie in Louisiana. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Our Thank caller. You. Yes, ma'am. Our caller. B in Santa Rosa. Yes, can we take a minute? Can we take a minute? And I want to talk about this chuckling thing. Okay. Oh, still on the ch- kind of, don't you want to get make sure I'm we get all the callers in? Guy. Don't you want to make sure no, we get all the callers no, in? No, I can... want to be able. I want, um, no, I want to say this. Well, before uh, you do, hang on one second. Since you're going to grandstand about this, this is the sort of thing that I'm I generally identify as a white person practicing racism, white supremacy. Because, like, there are other people that called in, and you're going back to bring up old stuff. Like, we already talked yeah, about that. You explained it. Because I think you've set me up, and it's unfair. I chuckled. Yeah, I chuckled because of the sound you made. I'm nervous. You know, it's a psychological reflex thing, you know. You're asking tough questions. It's making me nervous. I chuckled. I chuckled because you went, wow. And I chuckled. So I want you to get, get off of it. You're the one that keep, is keeping it going. And it's not fair. You know, we're talking about racism and things and being fair. So let's start with the interviewer. Wow. The word fair is in the word God. It was used about five times there. I generally say in those conversations when fair pops up, like, whoa, the radar. Is that? Do, oh, is that, so you can't be unfair? You, you're, you're, you're above being unfair? You're, not, you're incapable of being unfair? I think you're being unfair. Well. Uh, if you okay. want. Uh, is that, can I get to the next caller or? I don't know. Can you? Okay. Be in Santa Rosa. Be in Santa Rosa. Did you have a question for Mr. Stewart? Uh, good evening. So they are guests and hosts. Um, I have one question. Um, my son wants to know, why do white people act like racism, white supremacy doesn't exist? Gus, I could barely hear him. Ooh. Uh, oh, great. That's this works out perfect for everybody. Uh, sir, before you repeat your question, maybe you can get a little closer to the microphone and speak up a little bit. Can you tell us how old your son is before you repeat your question? What? 
Hello? Can you hear me now? Yes, 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 sir. Go ahead. All right, awesome, awesome. Uh, my son wants to know, why do white people act like racism, white supremacy doesn't exist? How old is your son? How old is your son, sir? Oh, we didn't get, did you hear my question? Be in Santa Rosa. How old is your son? How old is your son? Uh, he just turned 11 today. Oh, how about that? Happy birthday. Bravo. Uh, did you hear the question that time around, Mr. Stewart, from his? I did. Uh, okay. I did. Thank you. Thank you. Um, here comes the broad brush again. Does you, Dee, let me ask you a question. Does your son know any people, who any white people who don't act that way? Not, I didn't hear what you said. Hello? I said, I, does your son know any white people who don't act that way? Who don't act like racism, white supremacy exists? Right. Right. Oh, a lot. Yes, a lot. Okay. Well... I think uh, a lot. Well, he's at practice right now, so. But I assume yeah. he, he thinks a lot of them act like that, like it doesn't exist. Well, I think the ones that act like it doesn't exist, um, it's it's uncomfortable for them, and it and it's it's you know they're they're scared. I mean, they're, they're I mean, for years it's been oh, a black man's going to take our jobs, and then it's the Mexicans are going to cross the border and take our jobs, uh, and you know, so what? You know, if they come take your jobs. <laughs> I mean, they got to live and eat too. Do your job better, and you won't lose it. Um, I, I, I can't. I can't answer that for all the people that are that way. Um, but I mean, that my perspective is it's it's you know it's just, it's a hard thing for them to exist because you're at you know you're asking them to 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 you know open the door and and, and let people come to the table and eat and enjoy and 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 live a good life. And, I, you know, if I could snap my fingers and change it, I would. I, uh, but like I said, I don't, I don't, I mean, I really worry that we're ever going to get past this. I mean, I know that my son's generations are much better than my generation was growing up about their attitudes about race and stuff. But, man, we've still got such a long way to go and so many minds to change. Okay. Uh, B in Santa Rosa, did that answer your one question? Uh, yeah, it does. Grand. Let's see. Uh, uh, retired firefighter in Florida. Uh, line should be open. Did you have a question, sir? Greetings, Gus. Greetings to, uh, everyone, uh, to the, uh, to the guests, uh, my age is uh, very similar to yours. I was born in 1957. Um, the question, my first question is, uh, I am not able to uh, recall 57, 58, and 59. Uh, are, how are you able to recall such, uh, so many things, uh, especially something as, significant as quote unquote being a racist at such an age. Well, this is more like 
60, 61. Uh, I just, I just do. I just remember it. Um, I mean, I'm, uh, one, people will tell you I have a fantastic memory, and I do, um, from things way, way, way back. Um, uh, I, I guarantee you I remember the, uh, the butt whipping I got. I mean, I remember a, a few of those, but, uh, and I, and I just know how things were in my house and in my town growing up. Um, I mean, I was there, I lived it. Um, um, I don't know how else to answer your question. Uh, yeah, it's unusual at, for someone age four, but let me tell you something. This was a big deal in my life. Okay. Uh, what is the, do you know uh, the lady's full name? And if so, could yeah. you recite it? Ella Mae Thurman. And let me tell you, when I went to the funeral. Oh, okay. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. I, I don't want to, I, I want to cut you off because I don't, I don't want this to be elongated. Uh, huh? I was asking for a reason. Uh, have you ever identified her? with a title, Ms. or Mrs.? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. But she's... If I haven't heard it, I haven't heard it yet. I haven't heard it yet. That's why I was asking. And my mother, my mother for a while was a domestic worker also. And uh, the children of that household who was about the same age as as I, uh, they were called the residence where I, where we stayed at and addressed her in that way. And, and I thought it was very disrespectful mm-hmm. to do so. Well, it's, it's funny you bring this up because we discussed that in the, in the article about referring to as Mrs. Thur- her as Mrs. Thurman. And I argued that that wasn't our relationship. It, w- it was not, I mean, she was, she, she was always called me LMA and I'm LMA. Uh, and uh, I thought to keep that to, to, keep that LMA in the article because that was, that was what it was. Uh, but let me, I have, there is no person in the world I have more respect for than her. And as far as remembering the thing, when I walked into her funeral, there were hundreds of people there and, and a dozen of them walked up to me and said, are you Chuck Stewart, the woman, the, the white boy that LMA whipped and, and turned out right. So her whole family knows the story. So it's not like it. So, I mean, it's, it's out there. And and we all got a big chuckle out of that, and and uh, you know I mean it, that was proof of the memory right there. Ella may love to tell that story, or Mrs. Thurman loved to tell that story. However you want me to refer to her. So you never made a you never made a practice of calling her Mrs. or Miss. No, no, not when she was in our house. She, so she, that, that was how. Well, she I, was. I don't, I don't, I, don't I, I didn't, I didn't limit it just for being in in your house. I, I, I mean, she, she lived long after she was out of your house, right? Right, right. Okay. Oh, well, long after. And after that, did you address her as such? If she had a problem with not with me calling her LMA, I promise you, she would have said something. Uh, but she never that that, did, fact, that, did, that didn't do a lot. That didn't do a lot to do with my person. question. But anyway, that, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you, sir. I'm going to say it anyway. She was the type person 
that uh, um, if she had a problem with it, she would speak up. She and, and, you know, if I would have called her Mrs. Thurman, it would have probably been an insult to her because we were closer than that. Retired firefighter in Florida. Much obliged, sir. Uh, let's see. The caller making me work on the switchboard. The caller at 0526. 0526. Did you have a question for Mr. Chuck Stewart? Uh oh. Zero five two six. Are you there? We're just listening in. If you're oh you might oh there we go. Zero five two six. Are you there? Not hear anything? Last couple seconds. If I don't hear anything, we'll get some of the other folks and then maybe check back. I don't know if you muted your line accidentally or maybe you're just listening in. I'll assume you're just listening in. Thank you kindly for listening. If you uh, did have a question or what have you, see if you can get your uh, audio situation uh, figured out. Uh, let's see. The caller 5180 uh, calling out of Ohio. 5180. Did you have a uh, question for Mr. Stewart? How's it going, Gus? And how's it going, uh, the, the gentleman who wrote the article? Well, I have actually two questions. My first question is this. Uh, the caller has stated that he wants to have a serious conversation about racism, if I'm correct. I, I hope I'm not misrepresenting what you said. My question is, how do you have a serious conversation about racism? What, what goes into a serious conversation about racism? Well, for one thing, not making a big deal because I chuckled nervously. That's what that's what set me off. And made me say that. I mean, if it, this this program to me is starting to feel, or was starting at that point to feel like, um, a, an assassination, a character assassination. And I didn't come on for that. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't come on for that. I'm not here. I'm not an expert on racism. I'm not an. I'm not. You know, I, I, I'm a. I'm a guy who's trying to live. The, to do the right thing and do and, and live a good life and be fair to people, all people. Uh, and, and, you know, if you want to set me up as a spokesman for white supremacy and white superiority, that's fine, but it's not who I am and it's not fair. Um, I mean, I thought we were going to come on and talk about my relationship with LMA. Uh, I should have probably guessed from the, from the title of the show that that wasn't going to be it, but Hey, you know, it doesn't hurt to talk. And that's what I'm doing. I'm here talking. Uh, my next question is, did LMA ever discuss her experiences with racism, white supremacy, in the town that she resided in and in the environment she was in? Has, did she ever talk about that with you? Not with me. Um, not with me. But she didn't have to. Uh, I mean, it, it was it was it was all out there for everybody to see. Um Did you ever express any concern to her for her safety, given the racism that you witnessed yourself? Well, I know we drove her home every day um, um, because uh, Daddy didn't want her walking through town. He, I mean, he, I, I, at, four, at four years old, five years old, I don't know if I was that aware, but I know 
that he was. Uh, and, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a terribly long walk, but still he, he didn't want anybody, um, messing with her. And I used to ride along. That's how I got to know her daughter, Jackie and her son, Barry. Um, we'd visit after we got to her house. And my last question, uh, you spoke about being a good Christian. Um, what is your belief or view of being a good Christian and what qualifies a person to be a good Christian? I live by one simple rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, uh, I think if we, if I, when, I, when I, I put myself, I try to think about it, put myself at, what the heck was that? Oh, wow. Oh, thank I've you. just got an Amber Alert. Hold on. I'm sorry, Gus. I don't know how to stop that. Are you there? Yes, sir. We can hear what? you. Yes, sir. Okay, cool. Uh, what was that? Oh, um, you know, I mean, I try to appreciate uh, what other people have gone through and been through. Um, you know, a lot of people, when you meet somebody, you instantly form an opinion uh, uh, called heuristics because we don't have time to interview everybody about their whole life, right, before we interact with them. Uh, like I said, I just try to be as, as giving and as loving as I can be, and I think that's what a good Christian is. Um, and, and another thing, a good Christian will fight uh, to free other people. Uh, oppressed people. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do in my own way. And, and the way I know how to do it is to call attention. Um, yeah, that's it. All right, that's all. Thank you. No, thank you. The caller in Ohio, I just want to make sure I see if maybe it was me. Maybe I wasn't paying attention correctly. Um, the first question that you asked about what ingredients what exactly contributes to a serious conversation on racism? Did he actually give you the components of that? Or did he just talk about his assassination here? Caller in Ohio. Did you actually get the ingredients of what makes? Uh, he, he answered it in the way that he best saw fit, but I would ne not necessarily consider that an answer. Uh, it was a pretty straightforward question. Uh, if you ask me well, that question, I'd what? say we'd have to speak about different areas of it. But he spoke more about his experience and his feelings of being attacked uh, as opposed to what actually goes into a serious uh, conversation about racism. Okay. That's, well, that was, hang on one second. I just want to, he said attacked. I'm just, <laughs> you got to forgive me. I'm doing that going back and getting exactly what you said. He didn't say he was attacked. He said assassination and we are two days removed from the dr king holiday like whoa triple t you were gonna add doctors or excuse me i said doctor forgive sorry you were gonna add mr stewart yeah here we go again okay uh so let's try again on the racism question i'm done talking the other stuff uh if you want to continue to do it that's fine i know you're getting because this is not very sophisticated. I know what you're doing, and I don't appreciate it. Um, and I'm sorry I came on almost. But um, what goes into a conversation about racism 
is, I think, um, trying to be thoughtful here. Um, I think it's got to be a discussion about what's un- what, about what's unfair um, and how we can eliminate those things. Um, and certainly, I think that the first thing to eliminate racism in this country may be eliminating maybe eliminating poverty. If we can get people out of poverty, in which black people are way overrepresented is, can embed your educations, better jobs, better stuff, maybe we can relate on a different level. Um, um, I mean, I mean, I guess I guess the conversation about, about racism. It, if I could, if I could, kind of reduce it a little bit is me saying what's wrong? What are we doing wrong? What's wrong here? What's your experience? And you tell them, um, you know, um, I just found out a few months ago that for years down here, that the banking industry denied loans to black people to buy houses. So I had no idea that was going on. Uh, and, and, and I know there's a million other things like that, that I'm just not aware of because I'm not experiencing it. Um, and that's what we need to know. Um, yeah, that's it. Before I nab our next caller. Well, I appreciate that. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. I appreciate that. Uh, so in a conversation, we can't speak about the economic component of the, I guess you'd say, power dynamic that whites have with blacks in the system of racism. Then. Is that an accurate, um, how, yeah, like I think, an accurate I think. portrayal of what you just stated? I think so. I think that's a, I think that's a big part. I mean, I, I, that this is a really good question, and it's a really tough question. Um, uh, and like I said, I'm not an, an expert or a government uh, 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 person, um, but whatever it is, I'd sure love to have it. Uh, I'm, I'd, I'd sure love to be able to, to to talk this through and find out how we can stop, how we can stop this, how we can solve it. Um, but uh, like I say, it's, it's a, it's a bigger question than I think I can answer. But, I, but, but I'll tell you, thank you for asking it. Thank you for asking it. Cause I'm going to think about it a lot now. Oh, not a problem. All I'd say is I think actually what you're doing right now on this show is a part of that conversation. It's just, as you stated, it can be very uncomfortable at times. I'll right. my and I was now. prepared for that. I, I mean, I was prepared. I was prepared to be uncomfortable, and I'm okay with that because it's honest, um, and 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 I think that's the only way we're ever going to get through it is to be honest with each other. Context of white supremacy, uh, caller in Virginia. Uh, did you have a question for Hello. Chuck Stewart? Yes, ma'am. I do have a question for Mr. Stewart. Thank you for being a part of the program. My question is, can you describe or share with us any other black friends that you have or any relationships that you've cultivated with black people, let's say, within the past couple of years, as opposed to this relationship that you share about LMA started when you were four years old? I don't know about the past couple of years because I kind of know the same group of people. I mean, I've been at the same job for 26 years, so the same group of people. Uh, there's a guy I played football with, or actually he played football. I wasn't very good, named Johnny Ganner uh, in Texarkana, who I was very close to. 
Um, uh, there's a friend of mine named Don Hudson, who is the managing editor at Newsday, who I, who I, I work with in Monroe, and we keep in touch constantly. Um, uh, LMA's niece, Sheila Gardner, and I work together at the Texarkana Gazette. We talk on Facebook all the time. In fact, she's kind of my family news source. Um, let me think. That's, that's probably the three main people. Um, I know I'm forgetting somebody, but I can't think of who. Okay. Thank you for answering. Mm-hmm. Much obliged, our caller in Virginia, uh, the land of Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, our caller in Wisconsin. Did you have a uh, question for Mr. Stewart? <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Gus. Um, Mr. Stewart, you said that talking about um, racism, white supremacy, and how to solve the problem is is, is uncomfortable for you. So I want to know, um, are you more comfortable practicing racism and being a racist? Thank you. I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist, and I do not practice racism. Only because you said it was uncomfortable talking about, you know, getting these questions and all that, talking about how to solve it. So I was just wondering, were you more comfortable with doing the opposite, practicing racism and being a racist? No. Is that more comfortable for you? No. No. God, no. So why so much pushback when when non non-white people, black people are asking you legitimate questions about racism, white supremacy. I'm not pushing back. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being honest. It's a difficult thing to talk about because you can be racist without knowing you're being racist. I mean, I've experienced that, doing and saying things and then, not, and then suddenly realize, hey, that was hurtful or being told it was hurtful. I don't know how being uncomfortable talking about that makes me a racist. And I kind of resent being called a racist, I mean, to tell you the truth. If that, I mean, if that's what y'all think of me, we ought to end this right here, right now. There's nothing else to say. Thank you, Gus, for taking my call. Appreciate it. Much obliged. Much obliged. We uh, we had other people that called. I just, if y'all can just be patient, give me one second. Man, uh did that happen, uh, Mr. Stewart? You said that uh, you could be racist without knowing it. Have Have you had an, ex- an experience where a non-white person told you, uh, hey, Chuck, I think you just did something racist. Has that happened? I'm sure it has. I mean, I can't recall specifics, but I'm sure it has. You can't, any of the black people that you just named that you've worked with and that sort of thing, you don't recall any conversations where they pointed out something and said, hey, Chuck, I think you need to look at this. This might be in a time where you've practiced racism. You can't think of any such example. No, not specifically, but I'm sure it has. Hmm. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I I'm, don't pretend to be perfect. I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying, and I'm hoping a whole lot of other people out there are trying to, you know, we stumble sometimes. The metaphors, man. And then that <laughs> should, doesn't and that should. doesn't excuse it, it, but it does happen. Okay, this uh, I will reference when we talk about metaphors, white supremacy, racism. This here program, and we're speaking with a journalist now. Mister Stewart doesn't write. He did say that. 
in terms of content mm-hmm. editing for the platform. So not talking to a writer per se, but still, wow, metaphors. Uh, Z's mom in California. Did you have a question for Mr. Stewart? Hi, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, I had a couple questions, and then um, 0526 had a question as well. Um, so I apologize because I came into the interview late, so I hope I'm not asking things that were previously Muted. about. Um, my first question was, how? Um, what was Ella May's age when she started working for your father? Unmuted. Um, she was, my mom was born in 20, my, hold on just a second, I have to think about this. Are you there? Yes. Hello? Okay, okay, sorry. Um, my, my dad was born in 26, my mom was born in 28, Ella May was born in 1927. So they would have been, uh, so let's say in 1961, they would have been, what, 30, no, yeah, 30. Five, thirty-six, thirty-seven, somewhat, somewhere in there. And 30, um, 31, 32, 33. So she was relatively. 32. How many hours do you think that she worked for your family, like within a day or a week? Could you say? Um, it was a short day. She came late in the morning and left early in the afternoon. Uh, five hours, maybe six, maybe. Um, she wasn't there every day of the week. I can't remember what day she was or wasn't there. But it wasn't like a, a five-day-a-week thing. She was probably there three or four, I want to, think, I want to guess. I'm guessing. Like I said, I don't remember. Okay. That's no problem. Um, and also, at that time, um, were you? did you have any contact with her kids, or do you have any understanding of the relationship that she had with her children? Because uh, she had nine children, correct? Right. Uh, um, uh, what, would you re-ask that? Because I'm not sure I understand. Um, when you when she was working with you, were you ever introduced to her children, or did you see her with her kids, or have like like did you have any interactions with her kid, or see her with? Um. Her kid? Uh, we would we would uh, we would we would drive her home, and she had a son and a daughter who were about my age, who would always come out to the car, and we would talk. Um. I don't know if I ever went in her house. I don't, I don't know that they ever came. Jackie's been to our house, her daughter. Um, uh, but I don't know that I ever saw her beyond, you know, like beyond in her aggregate. A lot of her kids were older boys and they were out doing football and baseball and other stuff by the time we would take her. Or actually, they were probably still in school because we took her home, uh, or, like I said, early afternoon. Okay, thank you. And then um, mm-hmm. 0526 has a question. Uh, greetings, you guys. Greetings to the callers, listeners, and to the guests. Um, my question is: um, um, Do you think uh, racism, white supremacy, can be ended? If so, how? It is my fervent hope and wish that it could be, but I don't think it can. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I think it is. I think this country will never get over slavery. Um, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. I'd like to wipe out as much of it as we can. Um, how is, is, 
you know, I'm against, I'm against any kind of segregation. I'm against private schools. I think the only way you learn to get along with other people is to be near them. It's a, it's called propinquity. Um, I've seen it work. I've, I've used it in situations at work where we've had conflicts and I put people next to each other and suddenly they're best friends and getting along. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that's my honest answer. I, 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 I wish it wasn't the, the case that, that I don't think it'll ever end, but I don't. I mean, I live in the South. I see how deeply ingrained it is. Um, and it's not just in the South. But I think it's going to be, I think if it ever does happen, it's going to be way after we're gone. Oh, five, two, six. That answers your question, sir. Yeah, it's an answer. <laughs> it's an answer. Wacky. You said you see people in the South. The, are these individuals classified as white that you see in the South who seem dedicated? I see all kinds of people. Do you I see, see any, all kinds of people? In the do you see any individuals who are classified as not white who are dedicated to mistreating individuals classified as white? I don't know that. I'm, I, I can't answer for the people I know who are black and what they're thinking and what they're feeling and what they're dedicated Any to. Any evidence to suggest that? Their behaviors, things that they say, how they use their time and energy? Uh, again, I, I, don't, I don't know how they use their time and energy. Okay. Same question, but for white people. Do you see the evidence? Any white people in your area? Dedicated. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry? Huh? Do you see any evidence I mean, of individuals classified as white? Dedicated to mistreating non-white people? And you see that in how they use their time and energy, things that they say, things that they do? Oh, yeah. Things that they say, yeah. Things that they do. Not sure. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't. Crystal balls. Hmm. Oh, come on, God. They have crystal balls in serious conversations on racism? Come Uh, on, God. Let's see. Our Bay Area mom, back-to-back in California. Did you have a question for Mr. Stewart? Yes. Thank you for taking my call. Greetings to you and the guests. So I'd like to ask the guest, um, and I'm only asking questions, so it's, it's just a question. It's nothing to get uh, offended about. So you you stated um, when a caller asked if you would give up any, if there was anything that you would give up uh, to kind of replace the system, the current system with a system of justice, and you said you would pay more taxes. Yeah, I think I said that. Yeah, I think I kind of said it as an aside. Okay. I would gladly okay. give up. And that's fine. Give up. Go ahead. I'm going to answer. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I would gladly change no, the system of justice. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. So um, my next question is, who do you think is more ignorant, naive, unknowing about racism, white supremacy, white people or black people? White people. 
Oh, okay, cool. Can you tell me why you said that? Just asking. It's only a question. Well, you asked me what I thought. Um, no, I'm just asking that's why, what I you, why do you think that? Yeah, I just wanted to know why would, well, what, what, what would make you think. I'm just asking. Because I... Uh, I, because for years they've had privileges they didn't realize they had. Um, uh-huh. And that is the, um, kind of the nature of the beast. Um, uh, and I'm sure that black people have experienced the bad end far enough to realize what it is. Okay. Okay. So, so it, with this, the system of, white supremacy the white people would be more naive about the system that they put in place well again um at what it depends on what level you're talking about i think kind of run of the doubt mill everyday goobers like me Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. you know they 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 would probably be more naive than you know lawmakers bankers powerful Mm -hmm. people who are the people who set up okay. the system? Okay. And then you think with us, we would we would know more about racism, white supremacy, because of what? And I'm, I'm only you, asking what would make you, you experience know. You, this you oh, experience okay. it. You, you experience the negative uh, aspects of it. Okay. Okay. Right, okay. Right. I. I Okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. Okay. So because we are, we're the victims of it, we should know more about the system, well, what it is I'm, and how I'm, it works. I don't, I wouldn't say should know. I would say do know. Mm-hmm. I think everybody should know okay. about it. Okay. But we, we do know. We definitely know because we're the victims. Okay. I'm just trying to get, get a clarity. Right. So, so that's all. Right. Just, so just, we're just asking questions because you have the answers. We don't have the answers, so that's that's why we're asking questions. So um, I'll meet my line and let another. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, go ahead. I'll meet my line and let someone else um, go. And thank you for um, responding and thanks for taking my call. Bay Area Mom, much obliged, uh, Cherry in Atlanta. Doctor King, uh, did you have a question for Mr. Stewart? Yes. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my question for the guest is, um, do you believe that black people can be racist? And if so, um, why or why not? Well, that's a tough one. Um, racist and attitude, yeah, anybody can be. Um, but you have to have power also. Um, I think there are probably, if, you know, there may there may be CEO black CEOs of corporations who don't like to hire white people. I don't know that they can't, you know, they can be racist. Um, sure, yeah. Okay, so do you believe that a black person who is maybe quote unquote racist towards a white person um, because of their experience with the system? Do you think that's the same as a white person being racist towards a black person? I'm sorry. I, I, I missed no, the very last part of it. Oh. What? Um, do, you think, do you think that a black person who is, I guess, so-called racist to a white person 
um, because of their response to the system is the same as a white person being racist towards a black person. No, I do not. Okay, can you give me a little bit more? Like, why do you feel that? And I'll mute my line. Um, it's 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 not the same experience exactly as you described it, because of as a result of how they've been treated in the system. Um, certainly, that's a whole different perspective than hey, I'm not going to hire black people, or hey, I'm not going to rent to black people. I mean, it's the power dynamic. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Correct P word. Uh, I think we might have got all of the callers. Woof. Work out on the switchboard. Um, I think we might have nabbed all of the callers. Did we miss anybody? Miss anybody? I don't see anybody who out in no hidden hands thank goodness no last minute phantom hands amen uh any of the folks that were there did you have a, a last question before we let mr stewart go we can do one person anybody we missed out on had one question they feel like they have to have answered to have a a reasonably nice ending to their thursday can i be heard be in santa rosa yes um my question is, can the uh, can the guest give me another story about the uh, about the lady that he's talking about? That's not that's not uh, that's not uh, on the script or the article. Oh Lord! It's a short story. It doesn't have to be long. I'm trying to think. I wrote about all my good stories in the article. Um, let me think for a minute. I really can't think of one off the top of my head. No, I really, I really can't. I'm sorry, D. That's all right. I mean, my life. Much obliged, sir. Uh, let's see. Wowzers covered a lot of ground in the two hours that we were here. Uh, wow. Maybe if somebody has their word guide from Mr. Fuller, if you can uh, find the word fair, maybe we can hear a little of that today. That would be uh, apropos. I guess the only thing I'll say, I'll, I'll just point out again before Mr. Stewart departs uh, in terms of the hypocrisy. Uh, I pointed it out <clears throat> continually uh, as we went along in terms of I forgot the caller who asked who uh, oh, it's Bay Area mom who's more informed about racism, white supremacy, who's uh, or more who's more. I think the way she asked it was who's more confused. Uh, and Mr. Stewart said white people, which I think almost every time the white people and non-white people say white people are more confused in fact there are only I think been like two people who said oh no non-white people are more confused and one of them is back on the program next week however I'm just pointing back some of the things that we said we talked about sundown towns Mr. Stewart's like oh yeah know about that 
Hemings of Monticello. He knew about that book. In fact, he even shared that he later got information about the loans that were happening. He knew about the white people that were very upset about school integration happening in the town. They had riots and all of that. That sounds like you might be informed about racism, white supremacy. Not That was what I kept saying throughout the front. Not ignorant about racism. Quote I've said for years, white people cannot be ignorant about racism. At any rate, I have a good to, uh, to interrupting man, the listeners. I mean, really, really <laughs> the uh, interrupting. Uh, I was stating the uh, wow, made me. I mean, wow, I hate that for 13 years. I've said that that's one thing that is not going to change. I do not interrupt folks when they're speaking. Do not interrupt me when I'm talking. End up losing my train of thought, even what I'm trying to think about. Lord. Uh, everybody. Let's see. Uh, I was going to say, uh, I've seen this. That's why I started with the program the way I did. Dr. Maya Angelou, Shirley Temple, the help. There's nothing progressive, uh, standout award worthy about a white person praising their help. That has been done for like years, all the way back. Al Jolson and beyond none of that has helped work against racism, white supremacy. That's why I kept saying plantational, the whole field of it. I suspect the caller who asked if Ella Mae Thurman, if she had been dedicating her life talking about racism, white supremacy and putting out her views on how this problem can be solved so that black people don't have to be the help for the likes of Chuck Stewart. I seriously doubt he would have written this report about LMA Thurman. I could be in error. Uh, before you, you <laughs> depart, Mr. Stewart, have you written about any black people who de- uh, dedicated their time, energy to addressing racism, white supremacy directly, or have you only written about black people who chuck and talk about white Jesus? Chuckle and talk about white Jesus. What? That's what we got, right? You said she liked to do pranks. That's what you wrote, right? Hiding snakes in the yeah. house and doing practical jokes and her all God's creatures and how dedicated a woman of faith. That's what you shared. You know, I cannot believe that you are. I'm going to interrupt you again. Look, I cannot believe that you are. Why are you trying to turn this into a bad thing? Because, because it fits your show's agenda with your planted questions and stuff like that. I mean, this, is, this was a wonderful woman who did me a great favor. And it wasn't just me. You know, and I, 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 I really resent you, Gus. I, I just don't. I think that you're the racist here if there is a racist. And uh, and I'm sure you've heard that before. Now go ahead and laugh and do all this stuff. But, you know, I, I, I didn't come on this pro. Right I, I thought, on. You know, we're going to Yeah, right on. Uh, but, I, I, you know. Uh, Anywho, Mr. Stewart, enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, maybe we'll finish our assassination of you at some point. Uh, but you've heard sure Chuck you Stewart with uh, sure the Dallas News Operation. Make sure I get the stuff. correct title. The Dallas Morning News. Much obliged for your time and energy uh, this Thursday evening, Mr. Stewart. Thank you kindly. Uh, I'm going to. Yeah, well, thank you. For sure. Why is they doing that? Crazy. Anywho, uh, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. And oh, there we go. the one time I wanted to remove somebody from my line like we did our time. Ready to roll. Woo. We will take a quick commercial break and give folks an opportunity to share their thoughts. I'll go over uh, 
what I thought was important in the broadcast. Wowzers. White guests only. That's another thing that you could put up there high too. I wish we had done that like years ago. Mr. Fuller told me that when we first started out, he didn't say white guests only. He just said it should be way more white people on the program. You should, that's, that's who to talk to Chuck Stewart. He did not say sit around and get other victims on so you can name call them and all the talk to and specifically question white people. Quick commercial break. We will be right back. Uh, yes, quick commercial break. We'll be right back and give our thoughts. What we heard from Mr. Stewart context of white supremacy. And from the late 1960s, after the death of Martin Luther King and the riots and the upheavals and all like this, and black people with their fists in there and all like that and trying to stumble and fumble and find their way and get focus, the white supremacists made a blueprint and put it in action. And that is, I'm going to have these people so confused, they don't even know what they started out to do. And by the late 1970s, they had just about completed it. And we've been on that ever since. And you mentioned something very important. They are more comfortable than ever. But see, it's like making gorillas comfortable in a cage or monkeys or pandas. You still got them in a cage, but they're comfortable. See, so give them some bling bling. It's like giving an animal a brand new car and training the animal to ride up and down the street in it. And then you stand back and point at the animal. Like one white man said in the late 1950s, he said he doesn't care what kind of car a Negro has. He said he's still a nigger. And when he rides by in a shiny car, to him, it's just a monkey in a car. White people built a car put a monkey in it, train the monkey to drive the car, so now you're looking at a monkey in a car. See, but black people don't see themselves that way. But this is how the white supremacists see us, and they are the ones who run our business. And we have to know that, that when they look at us, that's what they see. That that's what they see. That that's what they see. And at a subliminal level, what they see begins to spill over into our brains so that we, at a subliminal level, see each other that way and indirectly see ourselves that way. Context of white supremacy. If somebody has their word guide and they want to queue up fair after I get through my thoughts, ready to ride uh wow i took notes so i can try and pick out some of the things that i thought were most important uh with the broadcast plantation i think that's in the word guide too maybe we can get two for i think it's a lot in the word guide for fair so we don't have to have all that but i believe plantational very all of this really whole program plantational that's it uh where can I I can go all the way back 
to the beginning. Mr. Fuller talks about the concept of compensatory conversation control. I think Gusty could probably give tips on that. I don't know how useful it would be, maybe in talking to racists, but we have been here for 13 years, enough time. I even have have developed skills to be able to have a white person who is about to leave where you can still keep them on the program and get the full two hours. Everybody got their questions in. I don't know if that's very useful if you're not doing a podcast, but that is, I think, another element of compensatory conversation control. Mr. Stewart, the lameness was so immediate. I have been asking that question about ta Coates incorrect statement that white people are often sincerely and greatly pained about racism victims guaranteed qualified you can't be incorrect I am often he is the only person that I can think of who was interrupting me repeatedly to answer the question oh yes oh yes oh yes and then after you all (laughs) eager get into it and okay you're not talking to the normal niggers you're going to be asked like all right How do white people demonstrate that they are greatly and sincerely pained, which is the same thing I would have asked Ta-Nehisi Coates. Like, where did you get evidence to substantiate this? Now it's, ooh, ooh, I wasn't expecting that from the niggers. I got to think about this. Come on. (laughs) That's the type of thing that I normally point out right there. Oh, you are accustomed to talking to the normal confused niggers. Well, you can just say anything. You don't have to have evidence. In fact, black people don't even ask you questions. Non-white people don't ask you questions. You just get to say whatever you want, and it's accepted. Years of terrorism. Ella Mae Thurman. You lit. You can <laughs> process that. You are a black female. I work with racists who are telling nigger jokes. Nigger this, nigger that. Listening to racist humor. And I work in their house for 30 hours a week, take care of their children. The racism, white supremacy, terrorism is so bad. The racists that I work for don't even feel confident that I could walk home safely, even though it's a short distance. I'd probably be God fearing and all about white Jesus, too, if I had to exist in that sort of environment. Rest in peace, LMA Thurman. But right from the beginning, and that's where the chuckles came in. We were talking about his experience growing up, and he's talking about his father and how benevolent he was, plantational during the holidays and big fruit baskets and orange. That is exactly, and I mean like verbatim, the exact book that I mentioned, Solomon Northup, 12 Years a Slave, exactly. Is that the sort of thing that you can say? Oh my gosh, this is wow. These white people are amazing. Wow. They are definitely not racist. In fact, it's all kinds of sundown towns. Now that we need a better name for that, codify that, but all types of these areas all around Dallas, Fort Worth. That was prominently featured in James Lowen book that we read in the book club. They had all of those areas park this and park that that are exclusive for white people and the same type of setup so that you can have Ella Mae Thurman come in and clean the toilet, clean up after your white urchins, your white bigoted children. 
Uh, let's see. The chuckling we, for years, like there could be some really amazing segments of white people chuckling over the years. Although I think this might be one of the few times we had a white person who made so much of a to do about justifying why he laughed and he was taking it serious. Although he laughed throughout the program at things that were was funny at the same time saying he wants a serious conversation about racism within that he wants a serious conversation about racism and all the rest he had the audacity we are literally days removed from Dr. King's holiday killed by a white man federal government cointel pro not James Earl Ray but killed by white people system of white supremacy he had the audacity to say that this was an assassination he didn't even he was so tacky he didn't even say that this was a character assassination whatever that means he just said straight assassination Medgar Evers Dr. King Minister Malcolm X Robert F. Kennedy John F. Kennedy Honest Abe Chuck Stewart I mean I have heard white victimization before but assassination and you can say that with a straight face three days removed from Dr. King's holiday I think I said right when he said it triple T boop, move right forward but he's serious about ending racism white supremacy uh, let's see in fact I'll even pause right there this is like one of the tackier white people that I've talked to he self-referenced as a goober white people do so much promotion of the white people are ignorant white people are dumb we talked about that word goober in the book uh, club before peanuts ignorance the whole character uh, named goober gomer Powell, right uh, but I am pretty sure there would be a substantial number of victims of racism who would think this guy Chuck Stewart wow wow this white guy yeah he stopped and wrote about his nanny and blah 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 and all the rest of that's what I would think the level of confusion is that high and he's walking around chuckling about this that and the other saying he's assassinated yeah yeah writing about his nanny this and all the rest of it can't remember any racist jokes except the uh, one guy for the album which I will check out let's see the number of times and specifically the context when he got on his victim train and oh my god you're not being fair and this is a setup and a character assassination and he even used the word editing which I think is so important I was he didn't even accuse me of you are not correctly restating what I said that might be a valid point maybe I didn't remember correctly you know maybe I'm trying to what's the metaphor they say putting words in you maybe that's what I'm doing that's not what he said as a journalist he said you are editing what I say editing really that normally gives a connotation like you went in and like I snipped out some audio and maybe you know put in something that you didn't say I did something corrupt I'm trying to deceive people all I'm doing is remembering what you said 
Either you said it or you didn't. Playing the victim, so typical. Uh, let's see. Mm-mm-mm. Got fair goober. The plantational nature of it all. Let's see. He knew a 65 year old white man, like, you're not ignorant. Like, please, come on. Uh, 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 uh. Was there anything else I wanted to make sure I thought was really important? I guess I'll pause there. I think those are some of the, oh, that makes up money. I don't know where that one came from, but I mean, really, we talked about that book like so many times. The fact that they would even reference that to this, and I mean, legitimate, that is a, exactly what I said about the confusion. That is a book written by a victim of racism about Thomas Jefferson, Sally Hemings. This is some sort of plantation romance and all the rest of it. I, it is fitting that that would be attached to his report on his black nanny just further white people love reminiscing about those good old days we've had white people from around the world who have come on the cows and talked about south africa i almost took one of the clips we had a white female in south africa she was on and talking about the same thing her black nanny and all the time we spent together and all changed my life and how I feel about the negras and kaffirs and and we still have a system of white supremacy race soldiers exactly what Dr. Maya Angelou said that's why I started with that clip for a reason set the tone exactly what she said we have had LMA Thurmans for centuries and all we end up with is Chuck Stewart's and it maybe maybe they have a tacky word to say after a life of terrorism and enslavement maybe they have a tacky word to say about you after you die assassination uh, folks have their commentary we'll do that so if we have anybody with the word guide so maybe we can if we have two people maybe with the word guide we can get two folks to share we can get one person plantational because I believe that is a Mr. Fuller word guide right and I don't think that was too long so if we can get that one and then maybe we have another person they can give us uh, fair which I do think is longer they could shrink that one down we don't have to get the whole thing but they can maybe share both of those 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to share uh, alt one uh, let's see gonna yes sir say, I was going to say the folks who we've not heard from but I think we did hear from all these I don't is there anybody let's do it this way is anybody that we didn't get to hear from at all I think we heard from everybody here that's what I thought I think we got everybody here feel free uh, we already heard him retired firefighter yes sir I I, I, uh, if if I interrupted you uh, I I apologize uh, earlier uh, I was just going to let you know earlier when you first mentioned about uh, somebody looking up the term fair that I had found it in the word guide. Uh, it's rather long, but uh, here goes. Uh, fair, do not use this word in any way that is directly or indirectly associated with the word justice. And you got parentheses balance between people or is directly or indirectly associated with being correct or right or righteous. Study the many ways that others choose to use the word fair. Reason. During the existence of white supremacy, racism, fair means white. Since 
fair is usually associated with the words white or whiteness. It does not mean and should not be used to mean just and or justice balanced between people. During the existence of white supremacy racism, racist man and racist woman, and you got in parentheses white supremacists collectively, often use the words fair, white, just, and or justice to mean one and the same thing. They use the word fair in a manner that is likely to cause many persons to believe that in order for a person to practice justice balance between people, the person must be or should be fair and or white. It is incorrect to use the word fair in any manner that is likely to directly or indirectly help to, to promote the idea that justice or correctness is or should be associated with a person being white in appearance or according to a classification by a racist man and racist woman, white supremacists collectively. Study the following words and word terms and think about how they are sometimes used to help support white supremacy racism by associating the word fair with words such as balanced, beautiful, blessed, favored, gentle, good, goodness, intelligent, just, pretty, wholesome, etc. And he has a series of words, uh, fair employment, fairness, fair game, fair haired boy, fair hair, fair lady or lady fair, fair market, fair minded, fair play, fair price, fair princess, fair sex, uh, fair trade, fair treatment, fair weather. Do not use any of the aforementioned terms. Do not use any terms that are similar in meaning to any of the aforementioned terms. Remember the word fair means white. Whenever you can, use the word correct in place of the word fair. Correct employment, correct lady, correct market, correct minded, correct play. Another word that could be used in place of the word fair is the word constructive. Constructive employment, constructive trade, constructive treatment, etc. Uh, yes, that, that's what he has for the word fair alone. And, and he also has something that, that is designed along the term being fair. But I, I would only read that if you ask me to. That uh, planta plantation is not in there. It's not in here. Oh, I looked that up also. Right on. Right on. Much obliged for the narration. Retired firefighter. Fair was one of the key words that he used this evening. Accused Gus of being unfair, not treating him fairly, not treating me like a white man. In addition to the assassination. Yes, yes. Other folks with commentary that they want to share thoughts and observations. Hello. Yes, Matthew go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Thank you. I'm going to make it quick. Um, I just want to say it's my understanding studying white supremacy in the area of economics, law, and politics that white people have designed the system to evade taxes legally and illegally. So I don't think that's uh, him giving up a material comfort to aid in the elimination of racism, white supremacy. And that's all I want to say. 
right on. Our male caller who uh, yield, yielded the floor, uh, proceed. Yes, uh, yeah, caller for uh, victims from New Jersey. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, the guy, you know, um, you know, clearly, um, in my opinion, um, in the words of Gus, um, real tacky. Um, again, I, I think he comes from, you know, the same, uh, uh, the same ideology of the, uh, Tim Wises and the, um, the Jane Elliott's, um, you know, just him acknowledging, uh, racism, just, you know, just, just gives, you know, applause and, you know, nobody challenges and, you know, it also feeds his superiority. So that's why when he gets questioned and, and you know, just real, real logical, legit questioning, he feels, you know, he, he starts to practice racism, you know, like, hey, you know, hey, Negroes, I'm, I'm acknowledging racism exists. You know, what more do you want? Um, and I also asked the question about if um, the victim, uh, if she was real serious about racism, you know, would she be um, this love, beloved person? Because um, I, I was going to ask another question. Um, you know, he's no longer a bigot, but did this black woman change the opinion of his father and his mother and other people in that household? You know, so I never really got around to ask that question. So this lovely uh, woman who, you know, who they would... Um, hide snakes and scare her half to death. And, you know, if she was serious about racism, I, I don't think um, his bigoted, his admitted bigoted racist father would have that um, black woman, you know, in their home. So, you know, and, and even with the, with the laughter, you know, just being real um, defensive and, and just, um, yeah, just reminded me of Jane Elliott. You know, you know, I don't think Jane Elliott cut you off that, that many times, but she was very, uh, you know, you know, very defensive when it came to some of the questioning. So, you know, that's what he brought me in a remembrance of listening to him. He does seem he does remind me of Jane Elliott. Uh, I guess there she's a little bit older than he is, but yeah, very. Uh, similar uh in their kind of haughty behavior uh that's big mama i guess that's big daddy uh you know i'm gonna tell you when who are you to question me uh she had that same kind of uh attitude on the end yeah you what what your question what? get out of here talk to me yeah she had the same kind of same kind of attitude uh other folks can i bear yes sir yes uh exactly if if one is looking for an example on who he's similar with. Uh, my questioning, uh, if it sounded like it, it was kind of from a personal standpoint, uh, because my mother was a domestic. Not only was she a domestic worker in a white person's house, she also was born in 1927 also. Uh, the area that was uh, talked about on the cows, uh, when you had, uh, Mr. Marvin, uh, came on, uh, that area, uh, I grew up in an environment where the adults identified each other 
with a title, Mr. or Miss, before they mentioned their last name. They've been staying around one another for at least a decade before I been able to recognize anything. And uh, so that was part of my questioning uh, with him. And I was I was pretty much uh, uh, sure of what his answers would be, uh, which in my mind identifies him as a racist suspect uh, in that light, uh, that the person can never get uh, gain a title, although he, she's old enough to be his mother, <laughs> to be his mother, you know, that, that sort of thing. But uh, nevertheless, uh, that was part of my question. Thank you. I think he tried to explain away all that uh, in terms of why he refers to her as uh, LMA because, you know, that's what she said and she would have been offended if people, have, oh, you know, Mrs. Thurman or Miss Thurman, that sort of thing. Uh, in my view, that, as I said, uh, victims of white supremacy, we are conditioned with regards to how we behave. And I am sure Miss Thurman uh, by that point, she would have already been, you know, in her 40s or so. Uh, I'm sure she had seen decades of that exact. Of when is a black person Mr. Mrs. Right. That's probably all she's seen her entire life. If it was so bad that his racist parents who run around and told nigger jokes all day long is so bad, they have to give her a ride home because of the white terrorism and violence. If it's that crazy, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I have never heard Mr. Fuller, Dr. King, Mrs. Correct. Are you serious? Even from a four year old. So VGQ. And I mean, I'm sure there are some older folks who are just not into that and don't ever call me ma'am and that sort of thing. But I mean, I could not imagine being on a first name basis with somebody who is 10, 20 years old, much less they're in their nineties and I'm calling them Ella. Are you serious? What's up, Neely? What are you up to? The Gus, the children, the children of my mom's white racist suspect employer would call our house and address my mother as Emily. Is Emily there? Yeah. So that that that's that's deep in my memory. That manner of uh, communication that I deem as examples of racism, white supremacy, what a white person does. Thank you. better not act like you don't want to be called something other than your first name act like you got an attitude because we didn't say mr or mrs in fact i was just telling somebody uh they called it's a victim of racism she has uh, like a website set up and they call her like aunt karen that's what it is they call her aunt karen uh she's a victim though she's not a white person because she i guess reports information about racism and i was like huh like I don't think I would want that title for like a lot of reasons. That's the little tacky thing that they use in the call white people who practice racism, calling them Karens. But then that's part of that tradition too, uh, in terms of 
we're not going to call a Negro Mr. or Mrs. So we'll call you Auntie. They might even say instead of uh, calling retired firefighter's mother, it would be, uh, hey, Auntie Emily, this is old Auntie Emily. She waiting. You are not related to me. Uh, that would be their way of getting around it. Like we'll we'll give a little bit of respect. I, even though I have no idea how that's respectful. That's how you end up with tackiness, Uncle Ben, and all the rest of it. Like <sighs> you're so beneath us that we can't give you an official title like a person. So we'll just call you Auntie and Uncle if you're older. Does not get any better than tacky. Uh, other folks uh, have commentary they wanted to make sure they got in. Can I be hurt? Be in Santa Rosa? Yes, sir. See, now even his response where he calls in to say now, hey, give us some elements to a serious conversation on racism. You know, tell us and we can help solve this. He can't even do that. He has to grandstand about his victimization and how he's been assassinated and all. The, oh, my God. My bad. Be in Santa Rosa. Yes, sir. Um, I, I could be an error, but to me, it, it, everything seemed fake. Like, he stuck to the story and he couldn't give us anything else but the story. And it made me think, is, is this a real story or is this propaganda? Like, what's going on here? That's why I asked the question of... Um, can you give me something else besides I slipped up and said script, but I was trying to say, <laughs> you know, from the article and I hope he didn't catch script, but it's out there. I agree. I don't think he had, when you were like asking, I don't think there is anything else to add. I think, I mean, I believe certainly it's, it's, probably millions of white people who have had some sort of nanny or uh, domestic worker, whatever you want to call it, the help uh, who's come and work for their family or what have you. But I don't think it's any, all that he's making it out to be this growing tribute and all the, I mean, we've had, that's what we've had generations of this. This is not anything spectacular or even like in 2022 to even have something like this, like, wow. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Like it's not, any sort of great progressive moment in life, the time he spent with LMA Thurman. Did you have something else you want to add, sir? Uh, girl, I was thinking Pro. This could be some fake stuff that they're giving us to make us think a certain type of way. I think, like I said, a lot of victims, uh, you know, maybe even Gus T back when I was more confused, like, wow, that's amazing. You know, he was a big, he's even admitting that he was a bigot you know and now he's not and he's got the picture there and all the rest of it like yeah that he even used propinquity this problem we just need to be around each other again that is not that's what you were saying like all of this is just fake like all of that is just script that's just the standard racist rhetoric that they give uh when talking to niggers about this problem uh if that were the issue white people just need to be like physically closer to non-white people we would have solved this problem way back with Thomas Jefferson Sally Hemings can't get any closer than procreating and it did not I mean they know that that's nonsense he and Ella Mae Thurman are hugged up uh, on the article nonsense where they know that they're lying that's why I keep saying like just produce nonsense you know produce 
inaccurate, deceptive material pretending that he's against racism, cares about black people and all the plantational religion and all of the uh, references to white Jesus. Cause there was a lot of that in the program and in the report religion of white supremacy. Uh, uh, other commentary observations folks had. Like Can to, I uh, something? Oh, I'll wait. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ari. Thank you. I just wanted to thank the previous speaker. I think his name is D or B. I, I couldn't hear it. Thank you for that, because I heard you say script, and he didn't correct you. And I also found it interesting, Gus, the name of the other non-white male being Sam, and I thought about Casablanca right away. That's his. I'm sure he's seen Casablanca. I mean, hey, that's that's right in... He's 65 years old. Uh, but yeah, I said the same thing. Like, wow, that's uh, like I said. Now, again, I mean, it's not anything. I don't think too many white people would have to fabricate a story about having a black domestic worker like that's, you know, lots of that throughout. But like this being some transformative experience and, you know, stop me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just believable that she came in, worked and got very little money until she could go out and get another job, better job, all that with benefits like that part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, retired firefighter, thank you for your patience, sir. Yes, sir. Just like, just would like to uh, thank you for the uh, uh, bringing on uh, white guests. Uh, no matter who's the guest, it, it takes a lot of time and energy to uh, make those type of connections uh, that uh, we don't even see. Uh, that uh, record that is a lot of work that's required just to get a person, a guest to show up uh, on time uh, on a, on a program itself. And uh, so I think that needs to be acknowledged. And it's also uh, what I deem as uh, for every non-white person, uh, it's, it's a, uh, a healthy uh, exercise in counter racism. Thank you. Much obliged. White guests only. White guests only. Uh, that's the folks that we need to talk to to try to figure this out and just to kind of see through the not like <laughs> I really uh, I'm not, you know, calling out anybody or picking on anybody. Uh, when I was more confused uh, about white supremacy, racism, I would have been, this Chuck guy is amazing. What do you mean all white people are racist? This guy is great. Like even, you know, to think like is he making this stuff up? Did he lie? Is he lying? <laughs> picking up adding on black characters that he knew Sam and all the rest of that's why I even mentioned it. They're like, wow, the guy's name was Sam in Casablanca and having the lame. That's to kill a Mockingbird. You already mentioned that one. Like, Hmm. Could be, but I mean, Hmm. White people do lie a lot. Uh, at minimum embellish uh, some things to try to make it seem way more than what it actually was. Even about the black friend, let's add that in there too, about the black pals uh, that he has. Like, cause really it seemed like that was kind of a strain. He t- it seemed like some of these folks he just talked to on social media, right? Like he was saying Facebook, he said that they talk all the time. Hmm. Hmm. Any other folks, observations, thoughts to share? Got to jump in here. Our caller in Ohio. Yes, sir. I guess I have to say, you said something uh, after the commercial break, and you were uh, speaking about how you're able to keep the guests here and how you 
looked at that as might have might having value and kind of racism. I'd actually like to let you know that uh, at that uh, Harvard project or program on negotiation, that's actually one of the techniques they teach you. They say that a good negotiator is able to get the other side to do the next thing that they need to have done. You get what I'm saying? Uh, a, a great negotiator might be able to get what they want, but a really good negotiator is able to keep the person going along. So I, I give you a lot of credit. You have an excellent skill set at that, so maybe you'd be good at negotiations, for one. Uh, two, from growing up in, in a predominantly white community, folks, I've heard th- that type of story so many times from white people. And I'm talking about from a very, very early age. I mean, I had teachers back in school that would come with the I marched in the civil rights movement and I was at the March on Washington. And when you did the numbers, you're like, yeah, you might've been a little kid. You might've been there. But let's say you were there. Who knows if you weren't one of those people throwing rocks at the march, you get what I'm saying? So I've heard these types of stories from white people all my life, pretty much. Uh, When I was a little bit more confused, it might've been a little bit believable because what I've learned they try to do is they try to use those tactics that they've learned pulls on the heartstrings of black folks. So they study as well enough to know that, you know, if you talk about everybody wants to be loved, because that's one of the things that was a talking point, if you really reference um, some of the talking points that came out of the civil rights era, is the whole ideal of we all want the same thing. Uh, In particular, I've heard that quite a bit coming out of uh, black people's mouths who are in tragic arrangements. That's where I usually hear that come from, the we all want the same thing. And I say that to reference the fact that him as a white male, they, they've been taught, white people across the board have been taught, this is what black people in general value. You know what I'm saying? So all those talking points that he was saying, as he's saying, I'm like, I've heard this since I was in middle school, right? That if blacks and whites are closer together, then that will solve the racial problem. And one question that I'd ask is, well, if it, if it was supposed to solve it, why did slavery last so long? You know what I'm saying? Like black people and white people were on that plantation together. There were uh, very unique, uh, I guess you want to say, interactions on the plantation that kept it going, but it was an abusive relationship. So if, if black folks and white folks being in proximity to each other was going to work, that worked way back in 1760. America wouldn't even be here. Um, but nonetheless, I've heard these stories growing up all my life. So it was interesting to hear his spin on it. I wouldn't say that maybe he didn't have that domestic worker as a black woman given the time period. But everything else to me is just a shuck and a jive. I was also found it very interesting that his um, what, what seemed to get him super excited about the story was the fact that when she put him over her knee and spanked him, you know, I, to me it had like this sexual type of like fantasy, like ooh, I'm being uh, uh, with that uh, uh, BDSM type situation. Ooh, this black woman spanking me, and then we're gonna go, and I'll finally be able to have my blackberry. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how that's how I've seen them behave. Because from growing up around them, like I said, the story to me sounds like complete malarkey. But at the end of the day, I think that's part of why he was so defensive when he started getting asked real questions. Because when you're around confused black people, they tend to look and go, oh, this is a good white guy. Oh, my goodness. You know, and, and you see, guys, it is possible that if blacks and whites come together, that we can stop racism. So let's not burn this bitch all the way down. That's what that's that's what that whole thing is designed to do, in my opinion, from my experience from a very young age of dealing with white people who were born in the early 1900s. My grandparents were born from everything from 1909 up to 1935. So growing up, I knew probably people who were like his parents. 
uh, hearing the stories that came out their mouths to me as I got older from going to school with their grandchildren, it, it's complete BS. But nonetheless, uh, good job with keeping him there. And I can appreciate that uh, you, you knew when to throttle back and then move into a different position. I'll meet my line. Much obliged. Uh, malarkey. <laughs> right. It's not quite high, as high on the list as uh, bigot, but malarkey is another one of my favorite words as well. Um, it was it was a lot of the same, like, I mean, like stale rhetoric, right? Like the love, we all love and we all want the same things and all the that certainly all of the, the mammy and help issue. I mean, a lot of the things that he said and. I would have I would have been one of those confused black people to just eat all of that up. That's right. It's all just about the end. The religion thing I did. I think I said that a few times religion and white supremacy because in the report in this evening, that was a part part of the rhetoric, too. Right. Like I'm a Christian and I'm just about being a good Christian and going out. And I think probably 40 years ago probably would have been a higher chunk of us would have had probably more time in church that may have been more effective not so much now uh, but lots of the rhetoric that I would say have been very effective uh, for race soldiers over the past 100 years or so um, he is older so they are refining greatly even as we speak um, yeah the pushback that's why I think it's so important being questioning because I just think white people they are accustomed they do not get these type of questions it would just be tell us about LMA Thurman and how you all were growing up and oh she spanked you and that's amazing and you went to the funeral and oh my gosh and blah, blah. you know that's what it would have sounded like incidentally the spanking thing we are reading Alice Siebold she does have that whole section where she talks about that exactly white people wearing leather and all the rest and tying folks up and straps and whips and all the rest I think unfortunately there's a long uh, that's even a part of pornography you know fantasies Oedipus Rex and having sex with your parents and starts out with a spanking and all the rest of it so <sighs> debauchery abounds Alice normally we'd be doing the book club so that's what we'll be at next Thursday this was irregular Again, he uh, the only time we could do our normal broadcast time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. The only days he had free were Thursday, Friday. So one of our normal programs would have had to be substituted. Uh, anything else folks need to get in? Oh, everybody grin. Got everybody. Awesome. White guests only. And... He said white people are more confused about racism, doesn't everybody, except Dr. Martin Kevorkian. We have been on the air for 13 years. Dr. Kevorkian, one of the very few uh, who has been a guest with us on the program from the beginning, all the way back. We came back on the air in 2009, all the way to next week. He will be here. Uh, like I said, he's I think he and one other person gave a different response to that question uh, white man admitted white supremacist no less but he should be back with us next week uh, we'll give out the film list in case folks want to uh, check them out uh, in advance King Richard Mandalay those are two anywho we'll be here tomorrow for neutralizing workplace racism 8pm uh, Eastern 5pm Pacific uh, we'll catch up hopefully give out some tips so folks can stay safe if you are working next to Chuck Stewart uh, in the workplace 
Uh, that said, sobriety would be best. We need well-functioning brain computers to solve this problem. Uh, in addition to being sober, let's be buckled. Uh, if you are going to be going out and about, uh, if you are in the presence of a race soldier who is being rowdy, this is not a time for confrontation and challenge. Exit. You should be thinking this could be Kyle Rittenhouse. If you didn't leave your house prepared to kill and or die, exit. You have no idea if this person is with an armed entourage ready for some terrorism. If you're driving, you're sober, buckled and not on the cell phone. Uh, we're just trying to do the small things that we can to stay safe. And we want to, as best we can, avoid contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's brother. Your problem? You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Ah.